following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in theory. It's great to be with you all once again. And uh, here tonight, well, this morning for me, this morning for my guest, uh, this is uh, a true honor for me to have the opportunity to speak to former XPW King of the Deathmatch and World Heavyweight Champion, held them both at the same time, and former yep. CZW Ironman champion and three-time CZW heavyweight champion, and he held them both at the same time as well. Not many people can say that they <laughs> did that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one, this is the yep. only, this is the Messiah. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, bro. I, I know you, you've spoken to uh, another uh, Australian recently in the last year, uh, my, my good friend, uh, Piers Austin, uh, from the MWA yeah. podcast network. Uh, so two Aussies in one year, you know, you've got to be excited about that. Um, I always start the, the interviews, bro, uh, with the same old question. When you were a young man, how did you become a wrestling fan? What was the moment that you, the bug bit you and you just couldn't stop thinking about it? Um, you know, it's, uh, the match, it, it was either, I do remember, I, I think I was at like a party at my aunt's house when I was a little kid or something like that. And all the adults were playing poker or something and drinking. And uh, they just threw me, you know, in the living room with the TV. And it, it, was, either, it was either WrestleMania three, Hogan versus Andre, or more than likely it was probably Saturday night's main event, uh, Hogan versus Andre, where they had the two uh, Earl Hebners. Oh, yeah. And, uh, for some reason, that's just such a distinctive memory in my brain. Um, I'm pretty sure that's when I discovered it. And uh, uh, from that point on, I was just hooked. I was everything pro wrestling. That's all I wanted to watch. I didn't grow up a sports guy. I didn't have a favorite sports team. My dad wasn't a sports guy, so it wasn't like we went to, you know, Dodger games or Laker game. We just, we just didn't do that. Um, but for some reason, pro wrestling just... I gravitated towards it. It got my attention. And uh, when I saw that, it was uh, Hulk Hogan became like the coolest guy in the world to me when I saw that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, the, the story always rings true with everyone. The first time they saw it, that was it for them. <laughs> it was all over. Um, I guess maybe, was it maybe the 90s had come along? Was that when you first discovered uh like maybe ECW or hardcore kind of wrestling. When was the first time you, you kind of, that caught your eye? Uh, yeah, it was definitely ECW. I, um, I'm trying to remember. I, honestly, I, maybe I was like 17 or 16, but uh, at the time, like I was working like a blockbuster video and, you know, they closed at midnight. So I'd get home and I couldn't go to sleep. So I just watched TV and just channel surfing ECW was on like at 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just instantly got my attention. I mean, instantly. I think the first guy I remember seeing on, on ECW was Sabu. 
and uh, just, uh, you know, the hardcore aspect of it, the chairs and uh, the blood, like I thought it was the coolest thing. And um, it definitely wasn't, you know, the 1980s good guy versus bad guy, eat your prayers, you know, not eat your prayers, but, you know, take your prayers, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, all, all that stuff. Um, and I, I instantly loved it. And I would purposely stay up uh, until 2 a.m. on Saturday. I think it was on Saturday nights. And uh, I would I would watch it purposely just for that. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the difference is, uh, you know, Hogan would say, you know, uh, eat your vitamins, but the Sandman would be like, eat two tabs of acid. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, you couldn't help but... Um, you could you couldn't help but be you know like notice this and go what is this this is this is really cool um because uh, it was just and also you know everyone talks about the hardcore and then the chairs and the blood but just the wrestling aspect of the show too was stuff i, I wasn't seeing on wwe uh wcw yeah because of the luchadors and and guys like that like chris jericho like those guys but just the wrestling aspect too i was i thought it was amazing it really was. And there had to be a point in time uh, as you're getting into your late teens where you decide to uh, get involved in the in the business. And my research tells me that you trained at the Slam U Wrestling Gym. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, every, from the first time I saw wrestling, I wanted to, wanted to try to do it and, or attempt to do it. But um, uh I grew up in California and where I was, they had like a, uh, a cable, they had like channel three out here was, uh, it, it was just the, it was, how do I describe it? It was basically just a, a, a channel that would like tell you when the next board meetings or city council meetings were on. And they had little wrestling shows, you know, in the background as these things would scroll. And one of the shows they had was Wrestle Talk. Uh, and it was hosted by a guy named Dynamite D. Uh, who I eventually became friends with because uh, I wrestled with him in, in XPW. But he was always, he was always pushing this uh, Slam U or Slammers Wrestling Federation. And uh, I think I was in junior high school and uh, I, I wanted to go check it out because my dad knew I wanted to try to become a professional wrestler. I wanted to, to, to do it or get involved in it somehow. And he made a bet with me. I got good grades on whatever report card it was that he would take me down to the, uh, to the gym. Cause it wasn't that far from where we lived. And sure enough, I, I did well, we went down there and, uh, yeah, I mean, we went on, we went there unannounced. And so when we went there, uh, the guy who owned it, Vern Langdon, he just happened to be open. He was there. There was like two other guys. I, I believe it was a guy named, um, uh, Jeff Lindbergh and, uh, movie star Mike. And, you know, they, 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 they basically put on a wrestling show for me, you know, just, yeah, this kid came here to check out wrestling and look, okay. And they just did it. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> and then flash forward to, uh, you know, when I'm 18, because Vern did tell me you have to be 18 to do this. It's like, okay, I was in junior high school. So there, I, I had no argument. I can, you know, try to weasel my way into it, but, uh, when I turned 18, you know, I still wanted to do it. And uh, then the only thing I knew about wrestling schools, I didn't know, it's not like how it is now with the internet and you can just find whatever you need. But uh, 
the only thing I, I started wanting to try to pursue it again when I saw it's when Warrior came back, when Ultimate Warrior came back to WWE, and then they were pushing his Warrior University. I was like, oh, that's cool. All right. And so I sent, I think it was like you had to send for some packet, you know, you gave like 20 bucks or something. And I got a packet back and it was this cool, great thing with a lot of pictures of a gym and blah, blah, blah. And this invitation to come to a, what he dubbed a no BS seminar. Um, and it was based in uh, Arizona in Scottsdale, I believe. So I was talking to my dad about it and he goes, do you want to go? Um, it was like $300 to go. And that didn't include like food or lodging. It was just, hey, $300 to go to the seminar where he's just going to tell you, talk to you. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I told my dad, I'm, no, I'm not 300. No, he, he would have given me the money and I would have had to pay him back. But, you know, my, my BS meter was going off going, this is what, $300 just to hear him talk? I'm like, no. Um, and then my dad mentioned, what about Slammers? And so I called up Slammers. They were still uh, running. They were doing shows in Bakersfield, which was about 90 minutes to an hour away from where we were, where I was living. And uh, I think I left a message. Vern called me and he's like, yeah, we do shows. And in Bakersfield, we have uh, we do wrestling class on, on Sundays. And uh, why don't you come down to the show? It was every Thursday they did uh, shows at Strongbow Stadium in uh, Bakersfield. Come down to the show and see what you get yourself into. All right. And talked to my dad. We went. Uh, and uh, I think that that show, a guy named El Toro Bravo, like lost a tooth because Vern like punched it right out of his mouth. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> and uh, the following Sunday, I went and uh, went to a class. And uh, that's that's essentially how I started. Um, and they proceed. Basically, I, I just got the crap kicked out of me for like six months uh, when I was at the school. They just beat the shit out of me. Um, and, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I loved every minute of it. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Awesome. So <laughs> uh, everyone seemed, in this period of time seems to get the crap kicked out of them uh, during training. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you, the first match that you had. Uh, obviously, you, you must have been nervous. Most people on this show talked about how nervous they were. What was that scenario? Um, yeah, I, I was super nervous. Um, it was on Thanksgiving Day. And I want I want to say 1996. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving Day, 1996. And uh, I wrestled a guy named um, El Spirito, the Spirit. And uh, the guy who the guy who wrestled as Felony in XPW, if anybody knows XPW, you know the roster there. Uh, he wrestled as Felony, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I was nervous. Um, my dad, my stepbrother and uh, my best friend, they came down and watched me and it, you know, it was in front of like 20 people, you know, there, there was no one there. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I loved it. And, uh, I lost, you know, cause I was told your first match, you always go, you know, you lose. And the other thing too, is I, no one clued me in on how wrestling works until my trainer, Carlos, maybe a week before, he goes, this is how it works. You know, we're not trying to really kill each other. You know, it, it, I, I just remember thinking, okay, then why were you, you were beating the shit out of me, like, what the hell? Like, I mean, like really punching me and kicking me in the gut while I'd lose my breath. And um, uh, I understand it now why it was that way, but 
uh, yeah, uh, I think if I remember right, he DDT'd me, Elfredo DDT'd me on the concrete outside the ring because we didn't have mats or anything. And like my dad got really concerned because I sold it. I was just sitting there holding my head and everything. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that's like when my dad's like, I hope he grows out of this. Like this, this is just a phase. I hope to God it's just a phase. But, um, you know, I, I loved it. You had the butterflies and everything. And uh, I, forget, I, I can't remember who gave me the advice, but it was true, which was once you get out there, as soon as you take your first bump or you lock up, the butterflies go away because then you're just in the zone and you're thinking about what you're doing. And he was absolutely right. And I found myself, if I can just get to that point, because there was some, I mean, I've had some matches where just the anxiety of it all, like uh, in, in my mind, I'm going, this is the last time I'm wrestling, not doing it anymore. Last time, last time, not going to do it anymore. And then sure enough, I go out there. Um, inevitably, I'd always hate the match that I have, but I still loved what I was doing and go, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep on doing it. But it was, it was awesome. You know, I, I, I loved it. Awesome, bro. Yeah, and I, I, I love hearing about the early days of everybody that we've had on the show. And, you know, those early days slowly start to evolve and then opportunities come about. I've got to get to it. How did the opportunity come about to wrestle for XPW? That came about um, because, uh, well, I, I had been wrestling at Slammers. And I'd been there for about two years and it was an awesome place to, to, to learn how to wrestle and learn the mechanics. But, you know, what I tell people is it was an awesome place to learn how to work, but not how to get work. Vern never wanted anybody to leave. You know, why would you want to go anywhere else? You got the, like, and we weren't really doing any shows anymore or anything like that. And at the time I, uh, you know, I was, what was it? I, like 18, 19. I, well, I started when I was 18. So like I was 20 years old. Um, and I just had, you know, stuff going on that 20 year old kids have going on and wrestling wasn't my primary focus anymore. So, uh, I had left slammers and, uh, my parents, uh, had, uh, my dad had gotten a transfer to Georgia and I made the decision to stay in California. They moved to Georgia. I ended up living in a, a garage. Uh, in my my friend's house, and I mean, and it was a legitimate garage. It was there was like no insulation, or I'm, my front door was an actual the garage door. Like I, I was just out in the elements, and after about six months, um, decided okay, you know, I'll go out to Georgia, get a job, save up some money. Um, I stayed in Georgia for about six months, and I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. I love my parents, but they're driving me nuts, and I ended up moving back to California. Uh, within that time, I was always in contact with Carlos, my, my trainer. He wrestled as Carlito Montana in XPW. And when I moved back to California, he told me that he was going to be wrestling for this uh, promotion. He goes, it's awesome. They, you know, they, they got a gimmick for me and everything. And he was really excited about it. And I was happy for him. Um, fast forward to, I mean, I don't know how many days are going a week or so, but I'm watching Monday Night Raw. And... Episode, uh, or commercials for XPW start popping up. And as I'm watching the commercials, I'm like, I know that guy. Wait, I know that guy. Like I, I knew who Webb was, uh, White Trust Johnny Webb, I know Homeless Jimmy. I see Dynamite D on there. These are all guys I trained with at Slammers. 
And so, you know, the next time I talked to Carlos, I mentioned, hey, I saw this commercial for this XPW. And I, it's all the guys that we, we, we trained with. And he goes, dude, that's the promotion that, I, that, that wants to use me. And I was super happy for him. I was like, that's so cool. And he had mentioned that my name had been brought up a couple of times, but um, he didn't tell anybody what was going on with me because he didn't want to, you know, he's like, I didn't know if you wanted anybody knowing if you were back or anything like that. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'd love to, love to check it out. And so the following week went to a uh, practice because the next PW, we would practice every Tuesday. And so I went to the practice with Carlos and as we're about to enter the building, uh, Carlos goes, oh, by the way, just so you know, um, they shoot adult movies here. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then he goes, and uh, I think the owners are Jewish, so no Jewish jokes. I was like, I don't tell Jewish jokes, but oh, okay, I, I, okay, cool, I won't. And uh, went in there, and uh, as soon as I walked in there, I recognized a couple of the guys. I had done like two indies outside of XPW. Uh, and that's where I had originally met uh, Chaos and Supreme. So I knew who they were. And I see Dynamite D and everything. Um, oh, I actually, sorry, fast forward. After I had spoke to Carlos on the phone, XPW was having a show. And I think Carlos was debuting. I went to the, that XPW show. Like I stood in line and I paid, you know, I paid for a ticket. I didn't tell Carlos I was coming. And uh, watched the show. And thought it was awesome. And then I waited a little bit and I see Dynamite D and D recognized me and everything. And then the following week, I went to that, the initial, uh, that Tuesday meeting and I just started training with the guys. And um, after we would train, we would always have a, a company meeting. And uh, I walked or they, cause Rob's office was right next to the ring. And so practice was done, training was done. And all right, let's go to the meeting. And I initially wasn't going to go in the meeting. Um, and I think it was Webb and Kevin Kleinrock, because I had met Kevin Kleinrock at Slammers, because he had tried to go to Slammers and learn the business from Vern. But Vern wasn't teaching him anything. Vern was just basically taking his money. And so um, I went into the meeting. And I sat on the floor, because all the seats were taken. Rob walked in. Rob Black walked in. Sat down at the desk. And everybody's talking, and he just basically goes, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Who the F are you? And he just pointed his finger at me, and I'm like, I'm, I'm Billy. I used to wrestle with these guys. Um, and then Webb just looked at Rob and goes, he's good. He's okay. He's fine. And that was it. And that's essentially how I got into XPW. <laughs> Fantastic story. Love it. It's, just, it's almost like I can see it playing out like a, like a film. Um, well, Rob... Rob, he, the thing, I'm pretty sure the reason Rob pointed his finger at me and like, who the F are you is because uh, during our practice, I, I wanted to go get some water. And so I went in the building. I didn't know my way around the building and I got lost. I think I was using the restroom, but I got lost and I went into a door. I opened the door or I went into a room. And when I walked in the room, all I saw was the silhouette of uh, a, a dude leaning back in a chair on the phone. And he had these boots, these boots that had like four inch heels on them or something. And he just up on the desk and he's on the phony. And you could tell like it was like this green dreadlocks or something like, like light green dreadlocks. And I just walked in and went, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was trying to look for the restroom. 
and I walked out. So I'm pretty sure that's why Rob was like, who the hell is this kid that just walked in on me? And like, okay. And that's why he singled me out in front of everybody like that. Right. Good God. Uh, uh, yeah. November 20th, 1999, you make your debut at uh, XPW Dismembered in November tour under a mask as the uh, the Blunatic, uh, where you lost Blunatic. Lunatic, Lunatic. How did yeah, I say that? Say, I can't believe it. I can't say believe it. Correct. Actually, honestly, you can say it however you want. It was just a joke. Lunatic. Dumb Lunatic. Name. Yeah, Lunatic, whatever. Yeah. The dumbest thing believe. in the world. All day I've been thinking Lunatic all day, and then I said Lunatic. Why would it be Lunatic? That's ridiculous. Uh, Might as well. Yeah. Speaking of ridiculous, though, it, it's against Nicole Bass of all people, which uh, widened yep. my eyes because I remember her in the WWF with Val Venus and all that. But uh, uh, tell me about your debut into this gimmick. Um, where to start? Uh, essentially, when I was in XPW and I was training, they, they, they had a gimmick in mind for me already. They wanted to put me in a tag team called the Moral Crusaders, Luke and Matthew. And they were supposed to be, we were supposed to be like Bible thumping brothers that preached against, against XPW and the sex and violence, but we would cheat. And it's essentially what like the right to censor in WWE was. And uh, they wanted to put me in a tag team, but the guy that they were going to tag me with had just like disappeared. They could, no one could get a hold of him. So I was kind of put on the back burner. And uh, they were going to have, um, uh, before I had wrestled Nicole Bass, the show uh, prior, they, they, they had um, a big battle royal. They needed bodies. And I just said, hey, I'll, uh, if you need bodies, I'm more than happy to, to help out, whatever you need. And I think it was Kevin Kleinrock that went, okay, yeah, we can use Billy, but, but we need to put a mask on. Don't want to waste them. We don't want to job them out. Just uh, put a mask on. Well, okay, whatever. It's cool by me. Um, so yeah, I, I, they gave me a blue mask. Um, I, I believe it was Felony's mask because um, I didn't have a, a mask. And uh, yeah, it was called the Blunatic. I think White Trash Johnny Webb, just as a joke, was like, call him the Blunatic. He's from Blue York City. Like, okay, it was just a throwaway gimmick. It was just something that, yeah, I, essentially I was a jobber or uh, enhancement talent, whatever you want to say. I was there to make people look good. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that battle royal, the following show, they had me against Nicole Bass, and I was there just to make Nicole Bass look like a monster. Um, and uh, yeah, she—I mean, Nicole was very, she was very nice, very pleasant, but she did not know how to work. She did not know how to wrestle. Um, she picked me up for her choke slam and dropped me on my head, and uh, proceeded to they—I mean, it wasn't like she was accusing me. Her husband basically accused me. But essentially said, like, I'm the one that that screwed it up. He's the one that screwed it up. Like, dude, she, how did I'm the one in the air? Like, how am I screwing this up? <laughs> like, I, yeah, but dropped me right, right on my head. Yeah. And um, uh, she was very nice. Uh, I, I, I distinctly remember the first time I wrestled her, like before the, the the show, we were just in the in the ring, you know, practicing stuff. She shows up, and Rob wanted to get whatever she and I were going to do. Uh, get it, um, uh, get it down. And so I get in the ring and I start, you know, we start just circling each other. And uh, I guess I was going too fast, just walking around. 
Um, because when I first started wrestling, like Vern would always say, you're too damn fast. You're too damn fast. Slow it down. Slow it down. And so I started doing And she's finally, she just slow down. You need to slow down. I was like, okay, sorry. Yeah. And she said, I made my skin crawl when she said, she goes, we're making love. Gotta go <laughs> slow. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I see Rob and the guys just, you know, they're, they're all snickering because they think it's the funniest thing in the world that she said that. Um, but I, I basically wrestled Nicole for like, like three, like two to four shows. It was just me and Nicole, or, you know, me and someone else versus Nicole, just making her look like a, a monster. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was it. It was just, I, I was a jobber for Nicole Bass, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, bro. Uh, and, and may she rest in peace. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask, what was the atmosphere like with XPW at the time, uh, you know, when the company was, was you know, there on the West Coast? Uh, the atmosphere was awesome. It was, it was a good, it was a good locker room. Um, like we all got along with each other. There really were no egos. I mean, if the, the guys that I, I hung out with were, were like Supreme, Chaos, Dynamite D. Um, uh, White Trash Johnny Webb started, started calling us the click because we were always <laughs> hanging around each other and, and doing stuff with one another. Um, it, it was it was a good locker room. It was very uh, family oriented. You know, we we all looked out for each other. Um, you know, like you, I, I know people here at XPW. They hear the you know the adult business and all that stuff, but you know, the drugs and all this. You know, you know, naked chicks and it wasn't like that at all, man. Like there, I never saw any drugs. I hate to tell people that because i know they want to hear like these weird stories but actually no i saw drugs like once or twice actually <laughs> but, um <laughs> it was uh they uh yeah it wasn't like there was drug drugs or anything like that you know it was um uh we just looked out for each other we always uh uh yeah i mean it was it was it was a it was a good group of guys it was just a good group of young guys who wanted to be in the wrestling business um you know once you know, ECW guys started coming in, you know, there was like a divide uh, because, you know, they're ECW and we're just the nobodies kind of thing. Um, and, but for the most part, you know, the, the guy, the ECW guys that came in there, they were very nice and cordial and stuff like that. But um, it was, it was a good tight locker room. Cool. Yeah. And I wasn't going to dig for any of that kind of stuff or anything like that. I just want to know what, well, like the camaraderie was kind of like with the guys, because, you know, this is kind of like a, a company that's only just kind of begun. You're all in this together. So I wanted to kind of get a feel for that, which is really cool to yeah. hear about. Um, the Messiah, how did the character come about? Um, well, originally I was supposed to be Luke the Moral Crusader. Yeah. And uh, after, you know, however many times wrestling Nicole and being dropped in my head, I finally asked for a meeting with Rob and in the meeting, I just essentially said, yeah, I'm, I don't want to be dropped in my head anymore. Nicole's very nice, but um, I know you have this gimmick for me already in the moral crusader, Luke, uh, and he wanted to be a tag team. Why don't I get it started? And if someone comes along that fits the bill, that could be my tag partner, then we'll just, you know, we can move them in. Um, but you know, let, let me just get it started. And uh, Rob thought about it. And in the meeting, I believe Supreme was there, Kevin Kleinrock was there, 
uh, and maybe why trust Johnny Webb, I, I, I don't remember if Webb was there or not. But, um, you know, Rob was thinking about it, and uh, Rob essentially said, um, okay, you know, this, this, is something, this is something I want to push. This is something I really want to push, uh, you know, if you do well, but this is the only shot you got. You screw it up, you know, you're done. You know, not, you're not going to get a new gimmick or anything like that. Well, I'm like, okay, I'm whatever, fine. And he was, he was kind of apprehensive about it. But I remember Supreme just looking at him going, just let the guy do it. Just let him do it. Come on. Like, what is it going to hurt? And so I left that meeting thinking I was going to be Luke, the moral crusader. The following week, I come in for our uh, you know, Tuesday night workouts and meeting. I'm putting on my boots. I'm tying on my, my lacing on my boots. Rob walks in and he goes, he looks at me and he goes, hey, Jesus. And I went, excuse me? He goes, you're going to be Jesus. And I always I tell people this because in my mind, this is how it looks. But he did like these jazz fingers, like Jesus, like that. Like, you're going to be Jesus. And I was like, no, no, I, I can't. I don't want to. No, no. Like I, I'm Christian. I've, I've been to Brazil. I've literally been to Brazil and built a church. Like I'm not, no, I'm not going to be Jesus. Um, I can't remember. Uh, I do know that Kevin Kleinrock told Rob, okay, the guy doesn't want to be Jesus. Like he doesn't have to be Jesus. He's uncomfortable. Like just don't, he doesn't want to be Jesus. The guy does not want to be Jesus. And so I think Rob was like, all right, or Kevin told me, you know, okay, well, we're either calling you the Messiah or uh, Savior. And I was like, I don't care as long as it's not Jesus. And then I was called the Messiah. That's basically how I got it. Right. Interesting. Well, thankfully, that, that's what it, it, it went on as. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just so you know, like, and I tell people this all the time, I hate the name. I've never liked the name. Um, you know, I know you have like Seth Rollins, the Monday Night Messiah, uh, Roderick Strong, you know, the, the backbreaker or the uh, Messiah of the backbreaker. Like, I've had guys ask me how I feel about that. I, it's fine. I don't care. Make a million dollars with it. I hope you do. Um, I've, I've just never liked the Messiah name. Like, you know, I, I always taught you, you introduce yourself as like your gimmick. Like, hey, how's it going, you know? Um, and anytime I would say the Messiah or I am Messiah, I, I just felt so douchey and just so, so, I mean, like, I don't, people call me Billy. That's my name. You know, I, I wrestled as Messiah or the Messiah, whatever it is, but I'm Billy. And um, I've always hated the name. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, that's a cool name, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. It's just, uh, I've always had this inner, dialogue with myself regarding it and um you know for, for good or, or or for better whatever it is you know it's that that's who i'm uh, i'm known as and i'm i'm fine with it it's cool but uh yeah people like introduce themselves to me or, or say hello to me or i'm billy just billy like you know <laughs> messiah was cool to put on a t-shirt you know that's what it was you know like okay cool <laughs> no i completely understand where you're coming from there um 17th of december 1999 uh from my research it's the debut as the messiah 
uh, with a win over Johnny Webb on the Merry Christmas Tour. Uh, you work with him a bit here, um, and even like a, a cage match on the 16th of April 2000 at a show called And Then There Was Four at the LA Sports <laughs> Arena. Uh, do you know what me, the, do you know what that do you know what the, and then there was four supposed to signify? Okay. You have WWE, WCW, <laughs> ECW, and then XPW. Like like then there was four. Like get the fuck out of here. Okay, I mean, it's it's the, the silliest, dumbest thing in the world. But okay, sorry. <laughs> no, thank you for letting me know because I was curious about that. Um, but uh, working with Johnny Webb this early on in, uh, you know, with this character and all that, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, working with Webb? Yeah. Um, Webb was, was cool. Webb, how could I say it? Webb, uh, you, 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 Webb, you, you kind of had to pull a, a good match out of him. Not that he couldn't have a good match on his own. He could. But, you know, Webb had a lot of stuff on his plate in XPW because he worked for extreme associates as a editor. The guy was working 24 seven. I mean, legitimately working 24 seven. If he wasn't working on the adult side of the business, he was doing stuff for the wrestling side of the business. The guy was just overloaded. Um, but working with him was, uh, was cool. He was easy to work with. Uh, he was down to do anything. Uh, he had great ideas. Um, and you know, the, the guy had an awesome gimmick. He, the, one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet. And he's not like one of these slapstick kind of guys that, you know, make you laugh. He has this dry sense of humor and sarcasm. That is the funniest thing in the world. Um, when he did his, uh, uh, after I left XPW, he became essentially like Elvis Presley and was like wearing the jumpsuits and stuff and doing the karate and all like <laughs> the funniest things I've ever seen. I, 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 did I laugh just thinking about it? Cause it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, but he, uh, he was a hard worker and working, work, working web was easy. He was really easy to work with. And I always enjoyed working with him, but sometimes you just had to pull it out of him a little bit. Um, I remember I had a match with him in Bakersfield and, uh, after the match, uh, I went in the parking lot to just catch my breath and get some air and over in the corner, I mean, it's pitch black. There's no like lights in the parking lot. I, all I see is like this cigarette. I can see the, uh, uh, you know, the, the cigarette, you know, someone puffing on a cigarette cause it would just get really bright red and then you see smoke and I'm like, yeah. who, who's that? And it's uh, it was Webb and Webb's just like, thanks, Billy. I was like, what? Thanks, Billy. It's a good match. It's like, yeah, of course. Yeah, whatever. That's only a compliment I've ever gotten from Webb. But it was like, <laughs> thanks, Billy. Like, and I know it was pulling teeth for him just to say that, probably. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the, the guy, the guy honestly was a workaholic. And uh, uh, he was always fun to work with. Always enjoyed working with. Cool, bro. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I hit some of the important names uh, throughout the interview, just because it's important to to uh, put everyone up on a pedestal. Um, working with Sabu on the 29th of April 2000 in the title tournament in Bakersfield, Cali, uh, and later on in, in the following year in 2001, you have a cage match with him at XPW Scene of the Crime at the Grand Olympic Auditorium. Uh, and there's a few more times where you guys tangle up, but just from your perspective, you're quite young in the business at this point. 
I mean, uh, you know, from 96 to 2000, it's four years. But this is this is a guy, as you said earlier, the first guy you think that you might have seen on yeah. ECW. Now you get to work with him. This must have been, this must have felt huge for you. Yeah, no, it was absolutely huge. Uh, and quite frankly, I was, you know, shitting myself. Um, he, you know, it's Sabu. The guy, the guy is legitimately a living legend. And, um, you know, when he came to XPW, Rob didn't, the office didn't wise us up to let us know. Like, we just show up and boom, Sabu's there. We're like, what the hell? Mm. Like, it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and when I wrestled him in that uh, XPW title tournament, I didn't even know I was wrestling him until I got to the building. And because uh, uh, I believe Chris Candido was the XPW champion, but he wasn't able to make a show. And so they stripped him, and they stripped, yeah, they stripped him of, of the belt. Um, it, you know, I, I tell this to people when, when they ask me, you know, how was it working Sabu and like Candido and those guys, or how was it when the ECW guys started coming into the XPW? Uh, or was I concerned for my spot in the company? Um, dude, I was so naive to everything. I wasn't aware of, of uh, you know, having a spot, um, you know, and especially with the guys that were in the XPW locker room, like Chaos and Supreme and D and, you know, Weber. None of us were, you know, trying to, we were trying to crawl over each other to, to be the top guy or the top uh, local guy. None of us were doing that. You know, we, we enjoyed being around each other, hanging out with each other. And so when those guys came in, Dude, I, I, I wasn't even aware of a spot or if I had a spot. I was just happy to be on the show. Um, so I didn't realize that I had gotten some popularity in XPW until uh, I had wrestled Sabu uh, in, the, uh, in the finals of that tournament. And it was when, because if I remember right, like, I think there was like 20 people at that show. There was no one at that show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember I remember before the show, Axel Rotten was talking to Rob. Uh, and I could hear that. I could hear their conversation. And Axel was asking, so what's going on? And, you know, because Candido's not here. And Rob said, we're doing a tournament, blah, blah, blah. Axel's like, so who's in the finals of the tournament? And uh, Rob goes, oh, it's going to be uh, Sabu and Masai. And Axel went, no, 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 you should put me in the finals. Sabu and I can tear this place up. And Rob's like, no, no, no. The fans love him. They love Masai. They, they love him. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't have a computer. It wasn't like I could go online and look at anything that was, was said if there wasn't anything being said. Um, that was the first time I had heard something like that. And when I had that match with Sabu, he just proceeded to chew me up and spit me out. I was so intimidated uh, to wrestle him. Like I, I, I literally have like no offense in that match. It's just him beating the crap out of me. And rightfully so, because he was giving me opportunities to get my stuff in. I just wasn't taking it. I was just so intimidated to be do to, to be wrestling him. Um and yeah, what we I mean what was funny was if I think about the first match I ever had with Sabu to the next one or the, the, the following ones I've had with them. That first match, dude, he was, he, he was throwing live rounds at me, like in my, like punching me for real. It felt like probably because I wasn't responding or wasn't really listening to him. Like I should have been every match I've had since that I, that I wrestled, 
the guy's light as a feather. Don't even feel it when he touches me. Um, but yeah, if I remember, that was the first time I ever, that match with Sabu, that was the first time I ever was like intimidated, intimidated, like, holy crap. Like, this is a big deal. Um, and, and there is something to be said, you know, ignorance is bliss. Like I didn't, I wasn't aware of having a spot or anything like that, or I was just happy to be there and I'm happy to be, you know, participating in pro wrestling, the stuff I always wanted to do as a kid, you know? So it was, it was a cool experience. And, uh, um, yeah, I could, if I could go back, I'd do some things over again with him in that match. Because he, like I said, he just beat the crap out of me. I got no offense whatsoever. He, and I deserve to be, get the crap out of me. But, you know, <laughs> I took it as a learning experience. So, Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, that's that's at least cool that you, you could take at least a, a learning experience away from something like that. I mean, if I was to wrestle Sabu, I too would probably be the exact same, I would believe. Uh <laughs> Um, okay, I have to bring it up because uh, we've had several ECW guys on the show who were here on this date, July 16th, 2000, Heatwave 2000. I'm sorry. I know you've probably been asked about it a million times. <laughs> but that's like, right, that's fine. That's, okay, well, I'm glad because I don't want to be annoying with, with some of these, you know, oh, here we go again with the same question. But I want to make a big compilation video where everyone that we can possibly get on the show, eventually I want to do a big compilation of everyone that was there with their side of the story. And this is the first time I'm going to get an XPW side of the story. I've had about eight guys now, including <laughs> and Chili Willie and Big Sal and uh, C.W. Anderson, Jim Molino, a whole bunch of guys. Um, but I wanted to ask your point of view. I'm so excited. I have avoided looking for the answer because I know you've answered this in other interviews. I just, cause I want to learn it, hearing it from you right here, right now. Please tell me about this. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, basically we went to the XPW show just to show our t-shirts, to get on camera and show our t-shirts. That's all it was. We weren't invading or anything like that. I, I, I know, uh, uh, you got to see Rob Black. Rob thought he was a mafia guy. Um, and in his mind, ECW was coming into our territory, our turf. The other thing that I say, I mean, the guys, you know, the guys that went to the show, we were just pawns. I mean, that's all it was, but I, I had no idea that Rob and Paul Heyman had had a, had a relationship prior to XPW starting. Um, so, so Rob had some hatred for Paul Heyman because I think Rob at one point was, you know, before he did XPW, he was trying to, uh, he was going to try to help them with a, uh, you know, distribution deal to get, you know, their tapes or DVDs. Uh, I don't even know if there was DVDs at the time, but uh, VHS tapes into stores. And uh, I believe Paul or ECW got the, got the deal with, uh, was a Pioneer Home Video or something like that? I can't remember the name. I think it was Maybe uh, RF but Video? Not RF Video. It was the one that ECW had never had. They didn't. They weren't able to get their tapes into like Best Buys and, okay. and things like that. Um, so uh, Rob was going to help him do that. And for whatever reason, the, the whole thing fell apart and Rob got pissed off about it. Um, 
So when ECW came to LA, you know, Rob was like, dude, these guys are not coming to our turf. So uh, the idea was just said, like, why don't we get tickets and, you know, we, we show our T-shirts. And that's all what we just want to show a T-shirt. Uh, we get to the, get to the venue, get to the events. Atlas Security meets us there at right out front and proceeds to tell us, hey, guys, you can't come in here with these T-shirts on. Um, uh, you got to flip them over. Like, uh, okay. And then uh, someone asked to see one of our tickets. And I believe it was Patrick Hernandez, uh, the XPW. He was a referee in XPW. He gave him his ticket. His ticket was for the nosebleed section. So they thought we were in the nosebleed section, I'm assuming. I don't know. We get in and we all turn our shirts inside out. So it's just black, you know, black shirts, whatever. And we just watch the show. Um, I mean, I've been told by guys, you know, the ECW guys, like, they were under the impression that we were going to jump the fence or jump the railing and try to do it. Like, that was never, never, you know, uh, going to happen. Um, we were just there to, hey, try to get some free publicity, you know, and show our T-shirts on a, on a pay-per-view. Yeah. But um, the uh, we got, we were sitting hard camp, our back into the hard camp. So you didn't even see us. You know, you really didn't. Um, I was later told by like Vic Grimes, because I think Vic was at the pay-per-view with ECW. He said like Jasmine St. Clair was in the back. Because uh, Jasmine had used to work for XPW and used to work for the adult side. She was a contract girl. Right. And she had a falling out with Rob Black or whatever. She hated Rob. And so uh, Vic Grimes said that Jasmine St. Clair was in the back and I guess they had the, one of the cameras on us. And she proceeded to point us out to like whoever back there. That's so-and-so. That's so-and-so. You know, and essentially got like the boys riled up about how we were going to jump the, the railing and do something and we never were going to do that well flash forward to the main events um because during the show we just sat there you know and uh we were instructed not to like mark out or anything like that or you know but dude if i saw something cool i'd clap and go dude that was awesome like holy crap like i remember watching um rob and dan rob and uh, rvd's match with uh uh, Scotty Anton or Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty Anton. He was going by at the time. He did whatever move and he hits the move and he's up in the corner, right? You know, right above us. And he just looks at us. It was me in, in chaos. He just looked down at us and he's like, I know you guys are impressed. And I looked up and I'm like, yeah, like dude, that was freaking awesome. What you just, did. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, you know, I was clapping like whatever. Um, so fast forward to the main events and, uh, can't remember well essentially what happened was it was like a game of uh, playing telephone like someone would whisper this to this person this and the edict had come down from rob who was originally supposed to be at uh, i mean i was in the impression rob black and lizzie borden were going to be at that ecw show seats were bought for them they may not have been you know they weren't planning on sitting in the front row but they were going to sit in the nosebleed section well they decide not to show up which I thought was kind of chicken shit. That was just me, though. And um, uh, I guess Kevin Kleinrock was on the phone with Rob because he had a cell phone. And the edict had come down to, during the main event, right before the main event starts, stand up and show the XPW t-shirts. Well, 
it was like I said, it was a game of telephone. Someone whispered to somebody, blah, blah, blah. I was the last guy on the end. So by the time it got to me, I believe it was when Christy Mist stands up, everybody stands up and show your, your t-shirts. So by the time it had gotten down to me, Christy had stood up. I didn't even have time to react to what I was just told. And it was like, what? And then sure enough, like Supreme stands up, Chaos stands up. Um, I stand up. I, as soon as I stand up, I feel a, uh, an arm or somebody try to pull me over the guardrail. Um, I got, I was able to get away. I, I, I think it was one of the Atlas security guys, but they tried to, uh, uh, pull, you know, pull me over the guardrail essentially because, you know, if you watch the video, then the, the locker room comes out, you know, if one of us had been over the uh, the guardrail, they would have proceeded just to put the boots to beat the shit out of us. Um, because then they were trying to say that like one of us grabbed, tried to grab Francine. And, and Francine has even said, like, no, no yeah. one's tried to grab me. No yeah. one, like, no one, yeah, it had nothing to do. No one tried to grab her. We were just trying to show T-shirts. That was it. Um, when I tried to get pulled over the guardrail, I, 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 I get pulled away. And I feel somebody come up behind me and put my hands behind my back. I don't know if it was LAPD, because we were told by Atlas Security before we had come in, like, if you try to show your t-shirts, you know, LAPD is going to, going to escort you out of the building. I'm like, okay. So it might've been just security. I don't know, but I had my hand behind me. We had all gotten separated. I was with chaos. I was with Joey, like Supreme, Christy Mist, Homos Jimmy. Those, they were, they got escorted someplace uh, a different way. But as we're chaos and myself are getting escorted, I feel this wallop. Uh, on the back of my head. I was like, what the hell was that? And it, you know, it didn't really hurt, but it was like, what the, I turn around, it's this old fan that, you know, had like, you know, like a week old worth of stubble on his face. It's all gray, long hair, balding on top, just yelling at me, like you mother effers. And I was like, okay, some old fan just hit me. They, we get escorted out of the building I turn around, they let me go, and they're, the same old man is just yelling at me, yelling at me. And then I realize it's Paul Heyman. Yeah. Like, holy crap, Paul Heyman just hit me upside the head. You mother effers, hit me, hit, he's doing, you know, hit me, hit me, you know, and then he spit at me. And I didn't react. And I looked at Paul and said, Paul, we just wanted to show our shirts. That's all we wanted to do. We just wanted to show our shirts. And then when he realized he couldn't get a rise out of me, he goes over to chaos and then spits at chaos. Joey was, I mean, I put my arm in front of Joey, like, hey, Joey would have lunged at him. Because I don't know if Joey realized that was Paul Heyman either. He honestly looked like just a drunk fan, um, just the way he looked. And I'm like, Paul, we're not, not going to hit you. We're not going to hit you. We just wanted to show our t-shirts that's it now you mother pussies it spits on the floor and then goes back in in the uh uh in the building doors closed behind behind him and so chaos and i were just out you know on the street okay so we start walking all of a sudden because you know we don't know where supreme or christy or homeless jimmy we don't know where anybody is um 
all of a sudden a door flies open and a bunch of the locker room comes out. And I distinctly remember Chris Cash, not Chris Cash, sorry, Kid Cash. And I want to say with a big Sal yeah. and um, big Sal and maybe even, um, uh, crap. How, how did I forget his name? Oh my gosh. So horrible. Um, uh, Balls Mahoney. They were in front of me and Kid Cash was like, what's up? What's up? And I said the same thing that I said to Paul. We were just trying to show our T-shirts, man. That's all we were doing. That's it. We weren't trying to jump the, the guardrail. We weren't trying to do none of that. I said, you guys overreacted. I said, you guys did. And it was, they just left, they left chaos in Iowa. That was it. What's funny is if you, if you talk to Joey, if you talk to chaos, Chaos uses the term. He'll, he'll say, Billy did some Jedi mind trick on these guys <laughs> and they didn't kick our ass. Like, I don't, I, I distinctly just remember we were just, dude, we just wanted to show our t shirts. You guys did this. All of this, this is all you guys. We, we were trying to jump the guardrail. Um, and they just proceeded to walk away. The next thing I, I, I remember, and I don't know if it was seconds or minutes later, but there's like some melee going on in the parking lot. And I see homeless Jimmy just doing this to somebody, like doing this. I remember it being Chili Willie. I don't know if it was or not, but I remember it being Chili Willie. That was it. They go back into the building and we were just left outside. That was it. Um, I know there's this narrative that, you know, those guys from XPW came and got their asses kicked and blah, blah, blah. Dude, none of us, I didn't get touched except by Paul. So, but um, none of us, like, I didn't see actual any fights or anybody throwing punches except for Jimmy doing whatever to, again, I think it was Chili Willie. I might be wrong, but I think it was Chili Willie. That's, I mean, that's, that's all I remember. Um, I do remember we had a kid on our, ring crew that we called roadkill because he looked like roadkill from ECW. He just had this huge, long, you know, Amish looking beard or whatever, but his, his tooth was chipped because he had gotten the crap kicked out of him. And essentially the locker room kicked the crap out of a bunch of our, the, the street team kids. Right. You know, unfortunately those kids, cause I, I'm pretty sure, I don't even know if those kids were in, in the building during the show they were probably just out in the parking lot flyering and the door opens and the workers see a bunch of people or, or guys wearing XPW t-shirts and then just proceeded to beat the crap out of them. No, we didn't get touched. So anybody talking about how the XPW locker room got the crap kicked out of them, never happened. Never, okay. ever happened. Now, now um, I'm understanding. Yeah, now I'm understanding. Because I always read like a... Oh, the ring crew or, or something like that were the ones that got beat up. I didn't know how yeah. many of the actual locker room were, was actually there. Um, I'm still watching ECW chronologically and I haven't got to Heat Wave 2000 yet. So I haven't actually seen it happen yet. Um, I just know of it and I remember from watching some stuff many years back. But uh, Dude, it's, it's, it, honestly, it's not like you, you see a lot of, I mean, the whole thing lasted. 10 seconds or something. I mean, it wasn't like it was this huge thing, but I, I just think we remember, I, I drove back. We ended up after the, after that, it all happened. We all went to Rob Black's house. 
And I drove, I was with, uh, I went in Chaos's car. We're just driving. And and Joey, he was kind of like, yeah, man, yeah, like, fuck yeah. Like, we, uh, not that we accomplished something, but like, we didn't back down or something like that, which we didn't, you know? But I told Joey in the car, I went, dude, this is wrong. This is wrong. This should have never happened. And in the back of my head, I'm also thinking, where the hell is Rob? This was yeah. Rob's idea. Where the he's not here. We get to Rob's house and Lizzie Borden like opens the door and she's like, oh my God. And she's so happy giving a hug. And I, I but I distinctly remember just going, this was wrong. This should have never happened. I mean, and I'm not saying, you know, were we wrong on our side? Yeah, I mean, should we have stood up and absolutely not? The disrespectful shouldn't have happened. Um, but that lo- the ECW locker room was so riled up and ready to kick someone's ass because they were told a bunch of stuff by Jasmine St. Clair or whoever that we were going to do something. Um, so be prepared. Those guys, I mean, if you, when you watch it, you'll see those guys came out of the, the, the back super quick. Those guys were waiting for something mm-hmm. to happen. They wanted something to happen. They did. Um, you know, it was just, it was, it was stupid all around on everybody's part. Um, you know, I, I, I've had the opportunity to, you know, tell like just incredible, sorry, like, dude, I'm sorry. Cause it was during his main event with Tommy that we, we, we did that. Um, I mean, again, I don't know if he remembers me doing it, but he, he I, I did it. I, I apologize to him because he was a, he was a super nice guy. Um, but I've never had the opportunity to, you know, Tell Tommy Dreamer, hey, dude, I'm sorry, man. That should never happen. Um, or even Paul Heyman. Uh, you know, like I, I did a couple of shows with a kid, uh, Kid Cash in Detroit. And we were talking. And uh, I had mentioned, or, you know, XPW, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I can't remember what we were, how we got to the conversation. But I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, dude, you came out and you got in my face. He goes, I did? Like he didn't recognize me or didn't know who. Like, yeah, dude. He's like, oh, okay. Good guy, one of the coolest guys, nicest guys in the world. But it was it was dumb all around. It should have never happened. Um, uh, I mean, I, when we got to Rob's house, I remember Rob in front of in front of us. He got in his cell phone and he called Paul Heyman and left. I mean, I, I mean, for all I know, it could have been you know an answering service that he was calling. I don't know, but he. He called Paul Heyman and just left him a message, you know, just gloating and blah, 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 or whatever. Um, you know, in Rob Black's mind, uh, good publicity, bad publicity, it's all, it's, it's, dude, it's all publicity. It doesn't right. matter. There is no such thing as bad publicity. It gets eyes on you. There is. There is such thing as bad publicity. There, there just is. And uh, I just remember going, dude, we're not going to be painted in the greatest light here. We're just not. And we weren't. Um, you know, and did we deserve it? Yeah, part of me says, yeah. But um, I mean, it was again, it was, it was we were a bunch of young guys who just, you know, were trying to, you know, live our dream being a professional wrestler in a company. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we drank the Kool-Aid, you know like they did with Rob Blair or the guy did with Paul Heyman and ECW. We just drank the Kool-Aid. Um, but, you know, it, it always makes me laugh when people ask me about it, you know, uh, just because 
yeah, dude, I didn't get touched. We do. They, they beat up our Marine crew kids. Like, okay, you want to brag about it, be my guest, but you didn't touch any of us, none of the workers, quote unquote. Right. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that side of the story. Yeah, no problem. Now I have both sides. That's fantastic, bro. Awesome. Um, uh, at this time, is it all right if I have like a 30 second break? I, I really need yeah, to. Go for it. Thanks, bro. No worries. What's up, man? Yeah, man. Sorry about that. Yeah, I shouldn't have drank like a liter and a half of water earlier. So. <laughs> no worries. It's fine. <laughs> Not a big deal. Oh, bro. Okay. Getting back into it now. Um, you're, wearing, you're wearing the shirt right now. Um, I, I want to bring up working with Supreme uh, for the King of the Deathmatch title. You win the belt at... Uh, uh, November 11th, 2000, at the Metal Fest Open Air in San uh, Bernardino. That's that sounds that sounds interesting. Yeah, Can you oh. tell me about that? <laughs> that yeah, that, that was it. Was a metal fest show with metal music. Yeah. Um, last thing they wanted to see was wrestling. <laughs> you know they. Um, but yeah, I, I wrestled Supreme. It was uh, essentially we were just like a sideshow. You know what was fun? I, you know, I, it is if you can ever find the uh, uh, the show or, or, or matches from the show. Specifically, I believe the main event of that show was Sabu versus Big Dick Dudley versus Cronus. A show like that, like especially with all those bands, you know they they got they got a set time. You need to be done by this time so the next band can go on and so on and so forth. Well, they gave us a set time. And said, if you guys aren't done, you know, you need to be done by this point because we have a band on the stage that is going to get ready that needs to start. So during the main event, uh, <laughs> during the main event, all of a sudden you just hear like this guitar riff and you're <laughs> the guys on the stage had started. We, we went past our time. And so Cronus 
Sabu and Big Dudley proceed to then make their way to start fighting, you know, in the crowd, make their way to the stage. And uh, I, I guess to like mess with the, the band, but the lead singer, I swear to God, the guy had to have been 6'6", six, six, like was built like just muscle bound. Like he wasn't <laughs> intimidated at these guys at all. And uh, they proceed to like just, you know, beat, beat each other up around the singer who is no selling what they're doing and doesn't care. But that whole show was, uh, I believe it was what we refer to as a sold show. Someone paid for the show, right. you know, they gave down a certain amount and whatever. Uh, yeah, I, we, we did the show and uh, I wrestled uh, Supreme. Um, I mean, I've had better matches with Supreme than that show. But what was funny about that show is that right after that show, Supreme and Christy missed. Because I, I believe Christy, like, she got bled on in the match by Supreme or something like that. She was a managing Supreme at the time. They went from there straight to the airport and got on a flight to Japan because they then had to go, then Supreme was going to go wrestle for FMW. So they didn't even get a chance to take a shower or nothing like that. It, was, it just sounded so nasty to me being up. But um, it, it was, it was, it was just a weird whacked out show. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was the dumbest thing in the world. I mean, but it was, uh, it was memorable, that was sure. <laughs> awesome, bro. I just had to bring it up because I noticed that you, you wrestled at a metal festival. Uh, and uh, I, before I move on, I wanted to just, you know, again, we're hitting another name there. There's some names that are very synonymous with XPW back in these days. Supreme is one of them. Uh, can you please share like a, a nice story, uh, uh, you know, of your memories of him? Um, Lester was... Uh, he, he honestly was like the greatest guy. Um, he, I, I think I've only ever seen like Lester in a bad mood like once. Um, he was extremely giving. Like if you went out to dinner with him, nine times out of 10, he'd go, I got it, he'd pay for it. You know, he was, he was just very giving like that. He loved, I mean, he loved XPW and he loved like deathmatch wrestling. He'll tell you that. Um, uh, he, he like d during that ECW, the, the quote unquote invasion that we, you know, we had, um, I remember Tommy dreamer, right. When like everything happened in the locker room started coming out, Tommy dreamer just looked at Supreme and go and just basically said something to the effect of, you know, you know, kiss your career goodbye, or, or you just messed up your career. And Lester looked up at him and was like, what are you talking about? Like Lester wasn't trying to go to WWE, you know, he was absolutely happy being an XPW and then doing deathmatch wrestling. He loved that stuff. Um, uh, you know, he was an amazing father, you know, an awesome husband. Uh, he used to, every show, his wife and his son would be at every show. Um, he was just a good all around, nice, fun loving guy. Uh, and, and what's funny is we look at him, you know, he, you just see a big, you know, uh, ball-headed guy with tattoos everywhere. You know, some people, you know, be intimidated by that. He'd put you at ease right away. Just the nicest guy. Um, you know, he and I, you know, back back in XPW, like I got my eyebrow pierced. You know, he went and got like his, either his nose or he got like this right here pierced. And 
you know, we used to do stuff with each other all the time. He, uh, he was a great guy. And, um, you know, he, he sorely missed, terribly missed. And, uh, you know, he, he just, he loved, uh, he loved performing in front of fans. He just did. He loved it. He absolutely did. Um, you know, if there was, you know, it doesn't matter what show he was at. If every person there came up to him and asked for an autograph or a picture, he would happily do it. If it meant he was there for hours, he's there for hours. He just, he loved doing that stuff. Awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, that's really yeah. cool. Thank you for um, asking. No problem. Um, ECW folds in January of 2001. When you first heard about that, how did you and how did, you know, XPW feel? Um, again, it, just me being just ignorant to everything. I, okay, cool. And also in the back of my mind, like, okay, cool. Maybe some of these guys will come here. But then again, the whole heat wave thing had happened. So you never know. But, um, you know, it was, uh, I, I think, you know, in Rob's mind, it was, he was vindicated, you know, because you, you know, you'd heard rumors for however long about guys, you know, their checks bouncing. Um, you know, in fact, when Sabu came to, to XPW, part of his deal, I believe, was, because uh, he was still under contract with ECW, but I don't think he was getting paid. Um, and so uh, when he came to XPW, Rob was like, all right, you know, I'll fight the lawyers or I'll pick up the tab for the lawyers to get you out of your contract, you know? Um, so, yeah, when, when ECW folded, I didn't think anything of it, really. Um, it was a place I always wanted to work and thought I could do well at. Um, so see, in that aspect, it was kind of sad, but, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, not, didn't think in a million years, then, you know, WCW would close and then you'd only have WWE, yeah. and, but, um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, if I'm being honest, I didn't, I, I don't remember having, uh, feelings about it one way or another, just like, oh, that sucks if some guys were out of work and it's yeah. kind of shitty, you know, but, uh. You know, it just is what it is. And, um, you know, I, also, if I'm being honest, it'd be like, have some of these guys come over here because I'd love to work with this guy or that guy, you know. It, so yeah. in that aspect, it was it was, uh, it was was kind of exciting because, you know, just the opportunity to work some of these guys because my, my whole mindset has always been I want to work somebody I can learn from. Um, so when, like, Chris Candido, Sabu, like, New Jack even, like, I learned a lot from New, New Jack. If you're not taking the time to pick these guys' brain and try to get everything out of it that you can, um, it's kind of a wasted opportunity. And a lot of these guys too, they, they want someone to come up and ask questions. But some guy, you know, you're intimidated. You don't want to. You don't want to come off as I'm bugging this guy or anything like that. And uh, you know, when like when Shane Douglas came to XPW, I. I couldn't wait to like pick his brain and ask him questions about stuff. So, um, you know, in, in that respect, when he, with ECW closing, it was like, all right, maybe I, I can learn some, learn something from some of these guys. I mean, that was my hope at least. So, but then, I mean, that, yeah, that was basically it. I understand. 
And I, I'm guessing after WCW went out of business, XPW surely had an event called, and then there were two. Is that that has to be? <laughs> yeah, <one>. yeah. <laughs> then there was two. <laughs> well, what was funny? Here's the thing. Like I, I used to get in arguments with Rob. Rob was one of these guys who, if you if you think it, you know, if you have the mindset. You can make it happen. So if you think you're the number one company, you will become the number one company. Kind of thing, like, you know, the book's the, the secret, you know, I guess. Like, he would always say, or even like his adult company, you know, he would refer to his adult company as the number one company in the world. Like, dude, there's Vivid, there's Wicked, like there's all these other bigger, no one knows who's Extreme Associates is. Well, if you think that way, it's never going to happen. Uh, okay, I mean, I, I guess I see your point, um, but he would do that all the time. And I remember we, I got into an argument with him one time about how are we calling us number four? What do you mean? Do we we run one show a month? There are <laughs> indies out there that do more than one show a month that do a show every week, but we're number four. Oh, if you think Billy, if you're gonna think that way, it'll never happen. You can't think of it like that, like, but. That's that's what it is. That's how it is. Just because you say you are something doesn't mean you you're it. You know, um, I always just got to. I've always gotten a chuckle out of that mindset of, you know, if you say something enough, it becomes true. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's still untrue. So I mean, it's yeah, you know, it's, it was just silly and stupid. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's cool, bro. I mean, look, I am the richest man in the world. Yep, there you actually, go. No, actually, no, I'm not. I've, I've, I've actually got $25 <laughs> in my bank account right now. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, so if, you, if you think of it, you think that you're going to be a millionaire. You are. No, you're not. You're still you're you not a millionaire. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, XPW Redemption, May 26, 2001. You beat New Jack to become the XPW World Heavyweight Champion. You're a double champion now at this point pretty big moment in your career. How did it feel? How was the show? How was the match? Um, I mean, it was cool. If I'm being honest, I, I didn't want to win the title uh, because it, he, he, New Jack was subbing for Sabu, who was, I yeah. believe, in Japan. Um, I don't know why the office, the XPW office, felt the need to take the belt off of Sabu then especially given the fact that the month prior when I wrestled Sabu, I mean, Sabu's like, hey, I'm not going to be here for next month's show. Why don't we have Messiah go over on me? And then when I come back, I'll, I'll you know, I can, I can beat him for the, the belt or whatever. Rob didn't want to do it. And I just remember thinking, like, if Sabu's offering to put me over, like, what the hell? What's the problem? You know? Um, unfortunately... There was stuff going on in the back scenes of XPW, uh, specifically between Rob Black and a, a guy named Josh Lazy. He was Sabu's manager, um, which I, I mean, I wasn't aware of it until much, much, much later. But Rob wanted Lazy out of the company. And uh, the problem Rob had was that the only person Sabu really liked was Lazy. Lazy for all intents and purposes was 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 Sabu's uh, handler. So 
whatever the decision was made, uh, New Jack was going to sub for Sabu, and I was going to beat New Jack for the title. Like, I didn't beat Sabu for the title. And if you know anything about XPW's illustrious world heavyweight title history, it hasn't been... Uh, the, the belt hasn't changed hands on the best of circumstances. Um, I believe Jake Wallace gave the belt to Damien Steele for a bag of Coke and some cash. These are all storylines. Like oh yeah. Chris Candido uh, was, was uh, he got the title stripped, you know, like, let's try to build up the, the prestige of this title. Yeah. Like it's a real prize, not something that you can take off somebody because uh, you disagree with them or whatever, you know, but for whatever reason, uh, they had me beat new Jack and new Jack was awesome. Um, uh, there, there's a moment in the match where uh, <laughs> new Jack, he, uh, I, I think yeah, I, I threw a punch at him and he makes his way to the corner and he just turns around and looks at the yells you hit like a bitch and the whole entire like arena went like crazy. And, uh, I just saw red and for whatever reason, I did like a dusty road elbow to his, to his uh, forehead. And then I just proceeded to like, just beat him down in the corner. And I remember new Jack going, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Mother effer. Like he knew what he was getting something out of me. He knew he was doing it. Cause if new Jack wanted to have cut me off, he could have just cut me off. Um, Wrestling him, because I, I think that was the first time I wrestled him. It, uh, uh, it, was, it was a great experience. He was really cool. And uh, I was always very appreciative that he, that he put me over because New Jack is very much like how Sabu was, which was, uh, you know, he's, he's not going to put over it. He doesn't like putting people over. He doesn't have to. Or if it doesn't make sense, and blah, blah. So uh, it, was, it was a good, fun experience. Um, you know, I just wish I had won the title. Not in that way. Like, I really wanted from Sabu or whoever was the real uh, champion at the time, not a sub. Because it, it just makes no sense. It makes it confusing for the fans. Um, and I remember uh, Josh Lazy told me that uh, he had spoke to Sabu on the phone after the show. And Sabu was like, so how'd the show go? It went well, went well. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Messiah beat New Jack for the, the title. <laughs> he said, Sabu said, bullshit. Like New Jack, Sabu was busting his ass. He was legitimately taking that title, making it a world title. He was taking it to Mexico, Japan, and defending it. It was a legitimate world title that he was taking, taking it, which I don't think Rob understood it. That he, that's what he was doing, and uh, to have me beat New Jack for it, not Sabu. All the work that Sabu had been doing for months, or he might have even been the champion for a year at that point. I can't remember. It was just, it was all for nothing. It, just, yeah. it made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I got to interview New Jack last year. Got to interview Sabu uh, about six months ago. Um, so uh, it, it made New Jack rest in peace. Um, and, and great to hear that story with him. Um, but yeah, you're right, bro. Like, it's just, it's nonsensical to do something like that. You really want the prestige of the title to be upheld. And if he's working his butt off to really make that a world championship, then it would mean so much more for you to beat him uh, specifically. Yeah. For the belt. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
uh, as as the interview is uh, is wearing on, I'm 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 becoming to things are becoming more clear to me about certain things. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask about Lizzie. Um, <laughs> I, I have to. Um, it's I, fine. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Thanks, bro. I'm I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, I yeah, have to you know. Got nothing, you got nothing to apologize about, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Cool, bro. Um, so could you tell me how this situation with you and her began? And and you know, <laughs> I just I, I just mean, don't, no no one's ever no one's ever asked me how, that question. Um, it usually goes to you know why'd you get fired or why'd you leave and you know that kind of thing. Uh, with Lizzie, it was just um. Uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out how do I answer this. It was just, um, yeah, for whatever reason, Rob paired Lizzie and I together. I don't know why. It was never explained to me. I think it was just because, um, you know, Sab, or, uh, Supreme had Christy. Uh, Lizzie wanted to be involved, or Rob wanted Lizzie involved, and Supreme and I were, were feuding. So just put Lizzie, because... Keep in mind when I first started the Messiah character or the, the gimmick, I was te- even though I was I was a heel, I was a bad guy. I was against XPW. I was against everything XPW stood for, the sex and violence, and you know. And then I show up to a show one day, and I'm part of the Black Army. I'm part of Rob Black's Black Army. It was never explained to me why. I just was. Um. And I didn't question it. It was just okay, cool. Good. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. I'm. I'm I'm happy I'm wrestling. Uh, so uh, I, Lizzie got paired with me. And uh, she and I had, uh, I guess, good chemistry with each other. Because uh, we would always shoot vignettes and stuff like that. Which, you asked me, like, how it was to be at XPW. Like, that was probably the, the funnest times I had. Uh, in XPW, we were just shooting the, the vignettes, like, at, you know, one in the morning with Supreme or chaos or whatever. And we're trying to get a shot of something, you know, it was, that stuff was always fun. Always uh, had a blast doing that. But, um, uh, I ended up work, started working at the XPW offices and, uh, uh, when I first started wrestling for XPW, I was working at a place called claim jumper, which was a steak restaurant. Um, and, Back then, it was like the guys weren't even allowed to have facial hair or anything like that. You dressed real nice, and um, but you know, I'm I'm doing hardcore wrestling, so I'd show up to work with a bandaid on my head because I had gotten busted open or whatever, and I would get sent home. Like no one wants their waiter or the person making their food <laughs> to have a bandaid on. Like I, I completely understood it, and so I'd go to the XPW office, and Rob would go, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "Dude, I just got sent home." Like, why? Look at my head. I can't. Like, so I uh, basically got the balls one day just to ask Rob, like, give me a job. Can I have a job? Because I hated doing what I was doing. And Rob was kind enough. I'm like, okay, I'll give you a job. So I started working at the uh, XTW offices slash the Extreme Associates offices, the uh, the adult side of the company. And I do things like, you know, make deliveries or whatever, but Lizzie would be around a lot. And uh, she and I just, uh, we got on with each other really well, you know, joking and, and goofing off. And the other thing too is 
when I started working at the XPW offices, uh, you know, you granted it, it's, it's a wrestling company, but the wrestling company didn't make money. It really didn't make money. What paid the bills was the adult side of everything. And, uh, you know, when you had like the, uh, like just when you had the ex-girls, when you had like Jessica Darlin, who was a contract girl, Christy Metz, a contract girl, Lizzie, uh, all three of them were really super nice to me. And, uh, uh, oh, sometimes even motherly, like looking over me, but, um, I was kind of, you know, I'm not trying to like talk myself up, but I was kind of seen like a, like a brand new puppy. Like I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't used to the adult side. I never worked in it. I, you know, so like everyone else is jaded to it. Right. Like, oh, there's yeah. a naked chick walking by, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. they, uh, like Jessica would refer to people outside of the adult world as, as civilians. And I was a civilian. <laughs> and the three of them basically like would uh how can, how can I put this? Um they would uh uh <laughs> they, they would sexually harass me like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll be honest with you, it was like it, it was it was awesome. It was awesome, you know. I was getting attention. Obviously, you know? yeah. Yeah, you know, so I was just seeing like a brand new puppy, you know. It was just like we can mess with it because I wasn't jaded to it or anything like that. You know, and they would do it to other people too, just not me. But um, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, like 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 Rob paired Lizzie and I together. And when Lizzie and Rob, who were a couple in real life, you know, Rob was very controlling. Uh, and again, th this is all stuff I heard from Lizzie. And for all I know, she was straight up lying to me. She probably was. I don't know. But um, you know, Rob was very controlling. Um, you know, he didn't like it. Like she. She wasn't allowed to wear anything brown or, you know, like stupid stuff like that. He had to know where she was at, like all the time. And he was very controlling when it came to like who she hung out with. For whatever reason, Rob was cool with me and Lizzie hanging out. And I'm not saying like we hang out, like go to the movie or anything like that, but like talking to each other in the office or whatever. And um, uh, like there was one time we did a show and Rob, Rob's like, he gave me the keys to, um, Lizzie's Porsche, because he had bought Lizzie a Porsche. Rob, want, Rob was a big one of these guys, like, uh, you know, uh, he, he wanted everybody to believe the, the gimmick. You know, you hear about, like, how Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase became a million-dollar man, and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. man wanted him giving out, like, $100 bills, really, and always <laughs> yeah. being in first class and limos. Like, he wanted him to live the gimmick kind of thing. Well, Rob wanted the fans to see Lizzie and I together all the time. And so, like, he threw me the, the keys to uh, uh, the Porsche to go pick up Lizzie at the house. And, you know, dude, I, at the time, I'm driving, like, a 1986 Ford Tempo. Like, <laughs> so, like, all right, I go, I, I pick her up, and then I, I come back, uh, you know, to, to the venue. And, you know, we're driving in the uh, the parking lot, and all the fans are like, oh, look, there's, there's Lizzie and Messiah, and he's driving a Porsche. Like, he wanted us to, you know, look the part, essentially. Um, but I, I also think Rob used to like to uh, uh, have Lizzie like flirt with guys. Like Rob was good friends with Bubba Ray Dudley. And when the WWE would come in town, you know, uh, they, uh, Bubba would like come to the office or um, uh, there was one time 
we went to uh, the Rainbow Room, uh, met like everybody, like a bunch of the guys there. But, you know, Lizzie told me Rob would tell her, like, flirt with Bubba, flirt with Bubba, you know, kind of thing. I think in the case of Lizzie, because there was a time where I was thinking about uh, leaving and like going up north. Um, it didn't mean I didn't want to, didn't mean I was going to leave XPW, but I want to be here for like to do vignettes and stuff like that. Or, and in all honesty, if, if, uh, if I needed to, if I couldn't have been part of XPW, then I wouldn't have been part of XPW. But Lizzie told me Rob got concerned that I was going to leave. Um, and, uh, I think Rob, Rob just had Lizzie do what he always had Lizzie do with guys. And I think she just took it too far. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I think would happen. It just got taken too far. So, um, you know, it was a relationship I should have never had with her. Um, uh, I should have gotten fired, deserved to get fired. Um, But, you know, for whatever reason, like I, when you read about it, it's, it's always put on my shoulders. Like you can ask my wife. I, I have no game. It's not like I, uh, <laughs> I'm a, I, Hey, what's up? Like I got nothing, <laughs> nothing. Um, but for some reason you hear about like how it's always, uh, it's always me. It's never, you know, there was two people that were involved in, in everything, but it's always on me, which I think is ridiculous and funny at the same time. But, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it, the relationship just got taken too far. Shouldn't have gone where it went. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that, that was basically it. It was, uh, uh, yeah, it was just a screwed up situation all around. Right. Were there, were there feelings involved? Did you both have feelings for each other or was it just the situation just went too far? And it was. Um, to be honest with you, at the time, for, on my end, yes. But as soon as everything stopped, I, it was basically being like, you know, in, uh, you always hear about being in the bubble, you yeah. know, like you're in the bubble. Once you get out of the bubble, you know, things become more clear, you know, or it's, you know, I can equate it to, you know, Wizard of Oz, you know, everything's black and white and then boom, it's just, everything's in color. Like it wasn't until, uh, everything had like, I left XPW and I was in CZW. I was doing well for myself. I didn't, and I started believing in myself again and realized I didn't need like, I, I didn't need the XPW machine behind pushing me. Like I, I'm, I am talented. Like people do want to use me because I know when I left XPW or when I got fired from XPW in Rob's mind, you were never going to hear about me ever again. Cause before XPW, it wasn't like I was doing the California indie scene. I wasn't. Right. I, I didn't really even know how to. Um, uh, and then when I went to CZW, uh, that, that really gave me a lot of confidence in myself. And uh, I realized, you know, like, dude, what the, like, what the hell did I just, like, it was, there was a lot of things going on in my life at the time at XPW that Lizzie knew about. And I think she took advantage, um, you know, involving like an ex-girlfriend and that kind of stuff. And, uh, Lizzie at the time, uh, had become friends with my roommates. Cause again, Rob was very, uh, controlling, but 
like Lizzie needed to get her hair done. My roommate was a hairdresser. So it was like, okay, I, she started going to my roommate to get her hair done and everything. And my roommate would, would tell me like, all she did was ask questions about you. And like, why, uh, why this didn't work out with so-and-so or why you and uh, so-and-so uh, uh, broke up and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, uh, so I, I, I think, uh, like I said, it just got, she took it friggin' way too far. And, um, and so did I, I'm not saying I wasn't, you know, part of that, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I mean, I, I, I think back, I think back to it now and just like, I was a 24 year old kid living on my own. My family were in different States. I was living in a garage. Uh, my life was XPW, meaning I went to work there, then I'd wrestle there. I was there 24 hours a day almost, you know, six days a week. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, dude, I was easy, easy pickings. I really was. Um, so it was just, you know, I, I made dumb decisions as a 24 year old guy. You know, it was just dumb. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'll be honest, I, I don't regret any, anything from the standpoint of all the bad shit that's happened, uh, and along with all the good stuff, but all the, you know, that stuff, you know, build, gives you character, it, it builds you up. Um, and, uh, without all the bad stuff happening, you know, I, I never would have met my wife. I wouldn't have my two daughters now. Um, so I don't regret any of that stuff. I, and at the same time, I don't think back about it either. It's not like I dwell on that crap. You know, yeah. if, if someone like yourself asks a question, I'll answer it. And uh, I got no problem answering it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't regret it because without, without all that stuff happening, I never would have met my wife, you know, and I wouldn't have my, my two daughters and uh, uh, I wouldn't have the life I have now. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that, that's about it. It's, uh, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, things happen for a reason. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you, you got to wait for that reason to, have, you know, to pop up or show itself. But, uh, you know, if all that stuff had to happen in order for me to, to meet my wife and have my kids, like, all right, cool. All right. Of course. Excellent way to look at it. You know, um, things happen for a reason and, uh, your journey in life, you get to crossroads, different crossroads, and you know, you go this direction, you never know what would have happened. You go that direction, you never know what would have happened. So at least now at this stage of your life, no matter what's happened, you have this peace, which is really nice yeah. to hear. And again, thank you so much for like being so honest and and, and telling me about all of that because uh, you know, that's for, for me and my show, this is really important to hear those kind of personal stories because, uh, you know, it, it's not just about, oh, you know, what was it like having this match or that match? You know, the, the journey of somebody's life is is, is just so important to, to something like this for me. Um, so yeah, I appreciate of course, it. man. Yeah, um, oh, no worries. I, did I honestly, I mean, and to, to a detriment, uh, I, I'm probably too honest sometimes, like, you know, just keep your mouth freaking shut, Billy. Like, you know, uh, but you know, and, this, and people are going to think what they, they want to think. I learned long ago uh, that not everyone's going to like me. 
because there was a time where like, if I read like one, one bad thing about a match I had, I would dwell on that. Um, I, what, what do I care about strangers? Like, I don't give a shit. I, ju I just don't like, as long as my wife likes me, my kids like me, my parents like me, my friends like me, like, that's all I care about. What do I yeah. care about some keyboard idiot in his mom's basement in Canada? Like, I don't care. Like, it just, uh, I, I learned long ago, not everyone's going to like me. And uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, you're going to have your reasons why or whatever it is, but uh, um, it, it, it has no bearing on what I do or what I think. And everyone's entitled to their own opinions and what they think about somebody. Uh, so by all means, like, you know, say what you want to say. And then quite often, it's not going to affect me one bit. It's, it's not, you know, I do what you want to do. And uh, without, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just, um, if you like me, awesome, awesome. Thank you. If you don't like me, cool. All right, next. I mean, that's <laughs> whatever. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. Cool, bro. And I like you. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Thank you. <laughs> uh, getting to a little bit of CZW talk. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, but I do want to talk a little bit about CZW because this is a very important part of your career. Um, I guess word is on the street that you're 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 not in the in XPW anymore. Does John Zandig get in touch? How does that opportunity come about for you to uh, debut on the twelfth of January two thousand two to take on Justice Payne? at answering the challenge at the old ECW arena. Yeah, um, yeah, Zandig reached out to me. I, I was at home, my phone rang, and at the time I was screening my calls. And uh, yeah, the answering machine turns on and I just hear this, uh, I think if I remember right, it was, hello, uh, I'm looking for uh, Billy, uh, the Messiah. This is John Zandig, CZW. I thought it was Jake Lawless from XPW pulling a rib on me. Because Jake <laughs> is from Philly and he has that accent and everything. I thought he would just pull a rib on me. So I answer the phone and I'm like, hello? He's like, is this Billy? I said, yes. He goes, so you're not, not with that porno company anymore, huh? It's like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> he goes, okay, well, I'm John Zandig with CZW. I don't know if you're familiar with me or with us. And uh, I was familiar with CZW, the name, but none of the product. Like the only thing I ever saw of CZW was in the, the wrestling magazines. And it usually involved a, a weed whacker. Like, okay. Right. Uh, but he had asked me if um, I would be interested to come in to wrestle their champion, Justice Payne. Uh, and he was like, well, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, well, I got a booking. Why? And he's like, well, yeah, I'd like to bring you in. Uh, for uh, to wrestle our champions, you know, Justice Payne, and I knew instantly why why he wanted me. It was uh, to bring the guy from you know the XP or from the the West Coast, you know, extreme fed, quote unquote, and then bring him out to CZW and let their champion go over on you know the XPW. I, I completely understand it was a one off. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, but I, I told him, yeah, let me uh, let me make a call. And see if I can get out of the booking. Uh, I called uh, uh, a guy named Logan, who ran a promotion called MPW in California. Yeah. And I explained the situation, and 
he was awesome. He goes, dude, I completely understand. Dude, go. It's a great opportunity for you. Uh, yeah, by all means, they let me out of the booking. I called John. And then like a day or two, two days later, I was on a plane heading to Philly. Wow. Um, really cool. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I did the show w- w- with, uh, or I did the match with Justice Payne, um, and uh, during that match, I had I had gotten busted open hard way on the top of my head, so I was uh, in the back in the locker room getting uh, staples in the in the back of my head, and Zandig just came up to me, and he went, uh, he essentially went, "Good match." I was like, "Oh, thanks," and then he went, to, "You want to come back next month?" It's like, yeah, yeah, sure, of course, yeah, that, uh, that'd be great. And from that point on, I was with CZW. Um, it just it, it just worked out. It all worked out. I'm eternally grateful to, to Zandig for bringing me in. And because um, when you talk to Zandig, like Zandig, he always downplays everything. He no sells everybody. So when I talked to him on the phone originally, he said, uh, yeah, I, uh, I've never seen uh, any of your work, but a couple of my guys say you uh, you know how to work. Like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, don't know anything about you, but uh, <laughs> guys say you can wrestle. Like, oh, okay, thanks. Like, all right. Um, but uh, you know, when, when I when I got to CDW, the first thing I did in that locker room, I shook everybody's hands because that's the way I was taught. And uh, like Adam Flash, I don't know if you're familiar with Adam Flash. He, uh, he, he, the running joke is, you know, he's walking in with his bag and he sees me in the ring with pain going over stuff. And he's like, who's that turd? And, uh, like, uh, his, our buddy, uh, Chad Henry, who's a scout with the, uh, uh, Indianapolis Colts. I was like, oh, I think that's, that's Messiah from XPW. Oh, he, he's all right. And I, he said, uh, Chad said that Flash looked back at me. And then looked back at Chad and just went, yeah, I still look like a turd. I'm like, okay. And uh, I, that night, uh, you know, I, I won a lot of the guys over, I, I guess. And because uh, I, when I started coming in regularly for CZW, those guys accepted me. And, uh, it, it was like I had been there for years. I mean, it, that locker room was probably the best locker room I've ever been part of. Awesome, bro. And that was my next question. There's still not, there's not too many left. Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you for, okay. again for your time. Um, I wanted you to compare uh, the CZW locker room to the XPW locker room uh, and the differences between the two. Um, the biggest differences, for one, were, you know, there were no ECW guys really in the, uh, in the CZW locker room. That locker room, uh, you know, when you go into a locker room, you usually have your clicks. You know, you got a group of guys in this corner, a group of guys in that corner. Um, and it just, it's just natural for that to happen. doesn't mean people hate each other, but, you know, you got your, you got your boys that you, you hang out with. In CCW, you didn't really have that at home. Like, everybody hung out with everyone. You know, like, the, the day before a show usually – I would fly into Philly and uh, we would all go to a bar called the Berwyn Tavern that Ian Knox worked at. And uh, like everybody was welcome to come. And a lot of times, like, like the, it felt like the whole entire locker room was there. You know, it was, uh, 
it was, it was a good group of guys, um, talented guys too. Because uh, that first, when I did that first show for CZW, I stayed at uh, Nick Gage's and Justice Payne's house. I didn't know they were brothers at the time. And uh, uh, I asked Nikki, I'm like, hey, you got any uh, video on Payne so I can see, you know, what he does in the ring? He's like, yeah. Because Justice Payne wasn't there that night. He had, like, stayed the night with his girlfriend or something like that was his birthday. So I didn't meet Payne until the very next morning. And uh, that night I, I, I watched video, but the first video I watched was Cage of Death 3. And I was going to watch it just strictly for Justice Payne's match. I ended up watching the whole entire show from beginning to end. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, what do these guys want with me? Holy crap. These guys are amazing. Like, everybody here is amazing. And uh, after the match I had with Payne, um, uh, I think I, a, lot of that, a lot of the guys accepted me. Because, again, I didn't walk in there, like, with a big head or anything like that. Um, uh, it just, uh, I... Like I said, I felt like I had been there for years. With XPW, you know, it was it was very much the same thing. But you know, you had the ECW guys, you know, that would uh, stay to themselves. Occasionally, would come over and say what's up, but they would stay to themselves. Um, just in uh, CZW, definitely had more of that family atmosphere. Like if anybody needed anything, like we would all help out. Awesome! Awesome! Um... Well, that's nice to hear. You, you, you've, you've found a new home. It's a family kind of environment. Uh, isn't it crazy? Within a year, it's December 14th, 2002. It's at the ECW Arena or the Viking Hall. Uh, you become CZW Heavyweight Champion. This is now making you a double champion with the Iron Man title as well. Yeah. In your wildest <laughs> dreams, would you have thought, you know, as you're talking about, you know, what am I doing here? All these guys are amazing. Not even a year in and you become their champion. That, that must have felt pretty good for you. No, it felt great. Um, yeah, and the thing too is, is you know, I, uh, I, I, when it's happening at the time, it just, everything's happening so fast that I don't really have a chance to process everything. Um, I didn't really realize how much of a, a big deal it was that I won the CZW title from the standpoint of uh, all the guys who had won the title beforehand, essentially, those were all like the homegrown guys. You know, occasionally you would have like a guy like Tajiri would come in and like win the title. And then the, the next show that was happening or they would do something where there'd be like a title change and they'd put it on a, a name guy, uh, you know, for an hour. And then throughout, you know, the next part of the show, he would then defend it and then lose it like within the same show kind of thing, but they could forever on the title energy, they could have, you know, Tajiri, you know, and people will look at it and go, Hey, that's the guy from ECW or whoever, you know, they would do that kind of stuff from time to time. Um, but I was the first like non name guy, who wasn't a CZW guy that, that got the title, I think. And it was, uh, it was, it was a, a cool feeling. I mean, I, uh, for, for whatever reason, and I, I'm, I'm always, I will always be eternally grateful to uh, the CZW fans, the, you know, the Philly fans, they accepted me. 
you know, warts and all, you know, whatever. I, I just wasn't that guy from the Cal, you know, the, the, the West Coast Fed, the, the West Coast wanted CZW. They didn't look at me that way. They accepted me right off the bat. Uh, I wish I could tell you why. I don't know. Um, but uh, I was, I've always been eternally grateful to them for that. Um, uh, it, it was, it just all worked out for whatever reason it worked out. And I mean, the biggest thing too, not the biggest thing, but it, it, it proved to myself, I didn't, I didn't need the XPW machine backing me, pushing behind me, you know, that I could do this on my own. I didn't need somebody doing it uh, or some machine, you know, doing it. It just, uh, it was like it was an awesome feeling, and um, you know when they were going to put it on me a second time, and I had the Ironman title, I was like, John, you don't want to do this. Like I just, uh, I've been down this road. Like, you know, I was joking with him about it. I was like, yeah, keep your wife over there. Don't get her away from me. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience, and um, yeah, I, I, I know I'm, you know, just. Drag, dragging it on, but like I, 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 I'm trying to find the words to describe it, and I, and I honestly can't, um, because uh, yeah, it's just just weird that it all happened the way it did. Um, yeah, I, I just I honestly can't describe it. Uh, it was it was cool. It was a cool experience. I enjoyed it. I was happy for it. I was thankful for it. Um, you know, because when you when you put the title on somebody, especially the heavyweight title, that's your lead horse. You know, that's who you want. That's the face of the company. And especially when it came, when I went to CZ, because when I got the belt the second time, uh, you know, I, I was going to the gym. I was working out a lot. I started wrestling without a shirt on. Like, I took it seriously. Like, I was going to be... Um, um, representing this company um and i wanted to look the part and so uh yeah it was uh it was just it was all weird man it was just all weird <laughs> <laughs> i can understand bro uh you, you spend another four years in the company i believe 2006 was your final year there from my research i may be wrong um the internet can be weird sometimes but um you know, this is such a, a, a big time in your career, and, and I hate to feel like I'm, I'm kind of skimming through it there um, because three-time CZW World Heavyweight Champion, Ironman Champion, uh, you really made a home for yourself there. And and even without the XPW uh, career, you know, this, is, this makes you a Hall of Famer in CZW. This makes you, you know, one of those names that we're is synonymous with hardcore in philly in united states hardcore wrestling as far as i'm concerned and it's not just that because you could do you could do more than that you weren't just about just the hardcore you could do a whole heap of things um so all of this time you, you spend all this great time in this company what was it that made you decide to leave the company and and slowly start to step away from professional wrestling um, you know, at the time, I'm trying to remember, uh, when I, when I left the first time in CZW, they had, 
Okay, yeah, they had gotten a new Booker. It was uh, my, uh, uh, how am I forgetting his name? Crap, I'm sorry. Um, Zandig was kind of, no, it wasn't DJ Hyde. Uh, but Zandig was kind of getting burned out with the booking. So we had um, uh, uh, Mike Barnes. I, is it Barnes? I can't remember, I forgot the name, but the, the guy who, who runs Smartmark Video, who owns Smartmark Video. Right. Um, he was going to take over his book. And so for the, the uh, you know, his debut show, he wanted to put the titles. He, he was putting the titles on new guys, all, all the titles on new guys, well, like a fresh start, which I understood. Um, I wrestled Ruckus that night, and Ruckus went over on me for, for the uh, heavyweight title for the first time for himself. Um, I got knocked out in that match. I don't, I don't even remember doing the match. But uh, I remember after uh, he, uh, he told, Mike told me, what the plan was, I was like, I was fine with it. I, I was cool with it. But I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, they're not going to ask me back. I just got the feeling they're going to ask me back. And I went out and flashed and told him, I said, dude, I don't think I'm coming back. It's like, well, what makes you say that? It's like, it, it's just a feeling. Like, no one's asked me to do any promos, you know, follow up promos or anything like that. And uh, I mean, I wish I, I could tell you I was kind of like worried or devastated, but I wasn't because. Um, I hate traveling. I, I absolutely hate it. Uh, um, I like being home. <laughs> and especially then, uh, you know, I, I had a young daughter. Uh, it, it broke my heart all the time to be on the road. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call, you know, when are you coming home? I miss you. Like, yeah. I, I just hated that. Um, and also, I had a lot of injuries. I mean, I still do. Uh, I, but I had a lot of injuries that I wasn't taking care of. And in some cases, it, you know, it wasn't even the the wrestling that was that was that, that was hurting. It was sitting in an airplane for six hours in a seat. Like I'd be in so much pain, my knee would be throbbing, my lower back would be throbbing. Um, so when uh, you know when I lost the title in Ruckus, like I said, I got knocked out. And uh, about a couple of weeks later, I think I got a call from Mike Burns. And he basically said, he, he was kind of hemming and hawing on the phone. And I finally said, dude, if I'm not coming back, that's fine. I'm, I'm you know, I'm a big boy. I can take it. Just, just tell me. He goes, yeah, uh, not going to use you. Well, we, we want to use you for this. They had the uh, Ultra Violent Underground, I think it was called. Yeah. It was like death matches and hardcore. They wanted me, they wanted to put me in that. But Zandig knew I didn't want to do that. Like, uh, I, I know my my uh, my legacy, reputation, whatever you want to want to call it, is based on being a deathmatch wrestler, and that's fine. That's cool. I don't view myself as a deathmatch wrestler. Uh, uh, you want to say I was hardcore, extreme, yeah, but deathmatch wrestler only because I, I have I done deathmatches, yeah. Not, I mean, and the ones I've done are, are the ones that are. are more popular than most death matches. The, than most death matches. Uh, I've done a ton of hardcore stuff with chairs, tables, that kind of stuff. And especially if you compare it to what like the death match guys do these days, like, dude, I, no, I'm not, death, like, those guys are nuts. <laughs> uh, man, I'm sorry. Like, those guys are just nuts. Um, and to be honest with you, like, I'm, I'm not the best looking guy in the world, so I don't want to fuck this up any more than I have to. <laughs> so, like, you know, like I, that's why, like when so I, I get, uh, you know, a deathmatch wrestler, and 
like I don't mind it. It's fine. But, you know, it's like, and I appreciate you, the comment that you had made before that you could do more than that stuff. You know, you know I, my favorite wrestler growing up was Hulk Hogan, then became Bret Hart. I wanted to be Bret Hart. Mm. Um, so I, I never had any aspirations to be a, in death matches, like Supreme Lester. Like, dude, he, he wanted that. He loved it. Yeah. Um, but when, uh, when I spoke to Mike, Mike Barnes, I did, it's funny. I, I don't want to do the ultraviolet underground. Uh, I appreciate the offer, but yeah, I, I don't want to do it. And I hung up the phone and it was like, okay, I'm done with CZW. Uh, cool. Uh, at the time they had, uh, three PW and PWU had started up and they were using the arena and I knew, and I was really good friends with uh, the Backseat Boys, Johnny Cashmere and Trent Acid. And they were the ones that were, uh, you know, it was, PW was their fed. So uh, just talking to them, on, you know, we were just talking to each other. Johnny just brought up, hey, do you want to come to PWU? I was like, yeah, okay. And then 3PW uh, had just been sold to a guy named Mike Haas. And Mike wanted to use me. And so like, it wasn't like I wasn't going back to Philly anymore. I was still going to Philly. I just wasn't wrestling for CZW anymore. Yeah. Flash forward to uh, when uh, Chris Cash uh, uh, passed away. CZW put on a benefit show for, for Chris yeah. Cash. Uh, and I love that kid. I flew myself out to be part of the benefit show. So... Um, I did the benefit show and I got a pretty good reaction at the benefit show. Cause I was a mystery, uh, mystery tag partner for Adam flash. I think I got a really good reaction, had a good time at the show. Then they ended up doing a, uh, you know, the regular night show, CZW night show. And, uh, John Zandy was supposed to team with Nate hatred to take on the hate club, uh, yeah. which was justice pain and, uh, Nick Gage. Nick Gage. Yeah. Well, maybe an hour before their match was supposed to go on, Zandig asked me if I wanted to wrestle. I was like, what, what, what do you want me to do? It's like, well, he said he had a stomach virus and he couldn't wrestle. And he asked me if I, if I take his, his spot in, in the match. And my first question to him was, am I getting paid? Cause I had wrestled for free for Chris, <laughs> you know, it was a benefit <laughs> show. And yeah. I was, I was joking with him. He goes, yes, you're going to get paid. You know, wise ass. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, sure. And uh, I did the match and got a really good response uh, when I came out. And uh, I, at that point, Zandig had taken over booking for CZW. And I don't know if it was the next show or the, the following show after that, but he wanted to bring me back. And then I came back to CZW. So I was there for my second run, if you want to call it that. And then... Um, I left CZW. Something had happened. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, I know what happened. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is long and convoluted. No, that's but, fine. Uh, uh, my my oldest daughter, her birthday, uh, you know, her party, or whatever, and, and her birthday would always fall on the same day as CZW shows in March. There was one year where I almost missed her birthday. And, you know, growing up, 
you know, reading, you know, books like Eddie Guerrero's book, Bret Hart's book, all, all those books, listening to interviews from guys that I admire, you know, when they would be asked, like, do you have any regrets when it came to their career and blah, blah, blah. Inevitably, the one that would always come up is I wasn't home. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I missed Christmases, birthdays, blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to be, I, I, I didn't want that. So the one year I almost missed my daughter's birthday, I, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I had come back on a Sunday. We were having like her, her, her third or fourth birthday at Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. Um, and, you know, I should have made it there with the time, but of course, flight being delayed or whatever, I end up, you know, arriving to my daughter's birthday party, like halfway through the birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. I walk in and my, my daughter, my, my wife, you know, she just looks at me and scowls and like shakes her head. And I'm just like, I didn't, it wasn't my fault. I had no control. Um, you know, but I'm here, I'm here. So it was cool that I made the birthday party. Um, I, uh, from that point on, I'm like, okay, I am taking that Saturday off, you know, when it, when it's her birthday, I, the following year, when it was my daughter's birthday, which is in March, uh, I had given CZW advance notice. Like, yeah, I can't wrestle on this show. Okay. For whatever reason, they put out like a, a thing saying I know showed after the show. Had, they, they had advertised me for the show, but they had put out a thing saying uh, I know showed. And it pissed me off. And this is back during MySpace. So I, I just wrote like a little thing saying I didn't know show. They knew I was going to be there. And uh, if I remember right, Johnny Cashmere, uh, he was still running PWU in Philly. And it's right when Todd Gordon had like come over to help and assist with booking and stuff like that. But uh, Adam Flash wanted to leave CZW. They weren't doing anything with him. You know, and uh, I got on the phone with Flash. Or sorry, I got on the phone with, with Johnny Cashmere and Johnny's like, hey, I want you to come to PWU. I was like, no, I'm, I'm back with CZW. I don't, you know, I, I'm a loyal guy. You know, as much as I'd love to to work with you, and, and honestly, in my world, like I, I work for both. But you know how indie wrestling is. Like, you, if you work there, you can't work here. Like, it was just yeah. the dumbest stuff in the world. Um, but you know, in CZW, like it, it really pissed me off that they had put out a, a thing saying I know show, um, and because uh, some fan they, they believe everything and anything, or they mm -hmm. start coming up with reasons I know show, like. I remember reading one thing. The reason I know showed was because I was scheduled to wrestle. Actually, I wasn't, but they said I was scheduled to wrestle Chris Hero, and I didn't want to drop the title to him, so I know showed. Like what? Why? Like no. <laughs> but I mean, whatever. I, I, I digress. But um, after talking to Johnny, I said, you know, uh, I know Flash wants to go to PWU, but uh, you know, I don't know if I if I want to leave CZW, you know, Zandig's been really good to me, blah, 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 except for the no showing thing. And Johnny straight up said, he goes, dude, okay. If you don't come, Flash doesn't come. It's either both of you or none of you kind of thing, I guess. And uh, I had accomplished a lot in CZW. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll, and honestly, they, the PW was giving me more money. So I called, uh, 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 Sabina, who took care of uh, travel for CZW, 
and let her know that, yeah, I'm going to go to PWU. And I did throw out, like, I want to wrestle for both companies. Like, but if, if I have to, you know, choose, like, what the hell? And PWU was doing great business and doing some, and putting on some amazing shows. Um, so I called Sabina and let her know. Sabina then said, John wants you to call him. And so I called John uh, because I'm not one of these guys who, you know, I do your show on this day. And then the next day I show up at the, the enemy show without telling you kind of stuff. You know, yeah. that's what, you know, you know, Josh Prohibition and n 20 did the CZW. That's what Justice Payne did the CZW. Uh, when they all, when all three of them went to XPW. Uh, and I don't begrudge them one bit going to XPW at all. Uh, just the way they did it. Um, so I, I talked to John and told him what was on my mind, why I'm leaving. And that was that. And I, uh, I went to PWU and I, uh, did some shows there. But by that point, my, uh, my body was banged up. I was hurting. Um, I, I had also moved to Houston, Texas and uh, was doing indies out in Houston. And uh, uh, at the time, uh, I was doing shows in Dallas, which is about a five-hour drive one way from Houston. I would never stay the night. I would do a show. As soon as the show was done, I'd get in my car and drive back home because I just wanted to be home. This one particular morning, I'd gotten home like at you know six in the morning. My wife and daughter were, were, were sleeping. And I uh, went outside and I just started doing some yard work and I moved, went to move a, a, a potted plant. And when I went to move it, I heard this pop. It sounded like a gunshot went off. Uh, and I collapsed. My back had just given out on me. Um, uh, I had to like yell for my wife. And I always tell people like if, if there were zombies, you know, you always watch the movie where there's someone who can't walk or move and the zombie horde gets them. I would have been that guy. Like I, I couldn't have moved up in so much pain. Um, after about three days of not being able to move at all, uh, finally went to uh, like urgent care where they stuck a, a, like a needle like that size of my hip. And it, uh, uh, it uh, uh, made it so my, the muscles in my back were so tense and I was able to get up and move around and do stuff. Like, okay, that's cool. It's, it's all good. Um, and then, you know, I, I do a whatever show and as soon as I do a bump, my back goes out on me again. So it was just a culmination of a lot of things. Uh, you know, my back giving out on me, always being in pain, uh, to, I hate traveling. I'm a big baby when it comes to traveling. You can ask my wife if she wants to go on vacation somewhere. Oh, we're going to go here. We're going to go to Florida. Like, what? It means I got to get on a plane. No, once I get there, I'm fine, but I am the biggest baby getting there. <laughs> um, but it was just a combination of stuff. And, uh, you know, people would call and ask to book me and I would politely decline. But, you know, after, uh, you know, after so many times, people just stopped calling. And I just got used to being home and being, you know, in uh, a home mode. I mean, that's basically it. Awesome. A long story would basically say, yeah. Yeah, no, no, cool. I, I loved hearing about all of that. Thank you very much. Um, again, I wanted to, as we get towards our last couple of questions here, just wanted to, um, you know, I've already asked you about Johnny Webb. I've asked you about Supreme. Uh, there's two other guys I want to bring up, uh, you know, from your time in XPW. Uh, Chaos. 
please tell me uh, something about him that, you know, just a, a nice story about him. Chaos. Uh, I was going to try to be a smart ass and say something nasty, but I'm not. Um, he's an, uh, Joey's an awesome guy. He, he just is. Um, I, I know when, uh, you know, when it comes to XPW, a lot of people put like Joey and myself as, as like the proof that they have workers, essentially, the guys who can work. Um, uh, like Joey, I've always maintained it and will continue to maintain it. I always thought he was way better than me. Uh, if you watch Joey in the ring, he has this fluidity to the way he does things and he moves. I mean, he, he's an awesome worker. Uh, and now he, he runs Santino's Brothers Wrestling Gym. Uh, and he's had a lot of guys come out of there, like Brody King, who's in the ring of honor. Uh, Jake Atlas, who unfortunately just got let go by WWE, but he was in NXT. Uh, Joey's having a ton of success with that teaching kids and teaching pro wrestling. And he's doing it the right way. Um, he, uh, he, he's just a, yeah, he's an awesome, awesome guy. Um, uh, and I'm, I couldn't be more happy for him with what he's doing. Uh, I mean, I wish I could go down there and teach and, and help out. But like I said before, I hate leaving my house. <laughs> and uh, uh, he's like an hour away, which isn't a big deal. But um, I'm just a big baby when it comes down. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm becoming an old lady. I don't like leaving the house. Uh, and that was before COVID and all that stuff. So, but um, I, I know he, what you uh, mean. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, Joey's an awesome guy. I love Joey. Wish I could see him more and hang out with him. Um, he put me. Uh, uh, he did the uh, SoCal, SoCal or Southern California Deathmatch Hall of Fame, and he put Supreme and I in it. And he yeah. jokingly said, "You know, I had to, I had to, you know, put on an event where to give you an award in order to see you." <laughs> like I, I don't, yeah, I don't go anywhere or do anything. I, he's an awesome guy. I'm, I'm really proud of him too. Awesome, bro. Uh, yeah, I've just connected with him recently on Twitter, so hopefully I'll be speaking with him in the next couple of weeks. Um, when I think of XPW, I think of these names. I think of Johnny Webb. I think of Supreme. I think of the Messiah. I think of Chaos. And one last guy I wanted to bring up the name of was Damien Steele. Do you have anything to say about Damien? Damien Steele. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know him all that well. Uh, he was a nice enough guy. Yeah, I, I really didn't. Um, he. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I could tell you stuff about him, but I didn't really spend that much time with him. He. Uh, he was a nice enough guy. He. Uh, he left XPW to go to. Was a UPW Ultimate Pro Wrestling. That was run by Rick Bassman. Uh, that's where guys like Samoa Joe and John Cena came out of. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, he, uh, I wrestled, I wrestled Damien once. Um, and if I'm being honest, it wasn't a great match. It, it just wasn't. He was leaving uh, XPW to go to PWU. And so he uh, was putting people over on his way out, which was very nice of him and really cool. He put, myself over uh this is before i started with like being part of the black army i think and all that stuff and he put over dynamite d who if anybody knows anything about xpw dynamite d you know he wasn't known for winning like he'd go out and he would uh he would you know be a 80s wrestler he was awesome doing it like he'd be macho man or jake the snake uh ultimate warrior and he was awesome at doing it but uh damien put 
uh, deal or like on his last match, which, which was awesome of, of Vince to do. But um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't know him all that well. I just remember feeling when I wrestled him, like I babied him because he, he came from, uh, he was very much the, uh, you know, you, you barely touch the guy when you, you punch kind of thing. Yeah. I, I felt like I was going to break him, even though he was bigger than me and muscular than me, I always felt I was going to break him a little bit. Uh, so, but, uh, he, nice guy. Uh, he eventually came back to XPW when I left. Uh, right. I think they just gave him my gimmick and they put it on him. He was the dark savior. I don't know what it was, but, uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, again, I, I don't have anything bad to say about him. I just didn't know him that well, really. Fair enough. I just, I, I always remembered his name because, you know, this is the funny thing about being in Perth, Western Australia. At the time, I was 13, 14 years old. And the only way I knew anything about XBW was reading the results on Lords of Pain.net. <laughs> That's the only yeah. way I knew. And I kept up with everything, even though I had no way of seeing it. I only was able to keep up with it by just reading the results. And every week I always kept up with what was going on. It's such a weird way to be a fan of a company, not even being able to see the results. And no, it's that's, cool. isn't that weird though? Isn't that a weird way to be a fan? But it's almost like um, when I interviewed Thumbtack Jack, he was talking about how he saw in the magazines um, these Japanese deathmatch matches matches going on and events going on and he never got his hands on it until tape trading and he finally got a tape of it and he finally got to see it i had no way of getting tapes back then you know i was 14 i didn't have any money i didn't even know how to go about that so um but yeah, yeah. that was that was my fandom with xpw was reading results um oh, so that's cool. that, I never, that, thank you <laughs> thank you for for being a fan that was awesome of course, five and also, people. Damien Steele, That's the, I the, the name, da the, the, the name Damien Steele, because he would, he would call himself the real deal Damien Steele. <laughs> and uh, he, would, he would end his promos like, that's the real deal. Like it, it was super cheesy 80s promo kind of thing. Um, but when you see a name, Damien Steele, the real deal, like, of course, that name's going to stand out to you. You know, <laughs> he was always cool with that. He was very good with, like, branding himself. Right, cool. Well, um, we're getting so close to the end, but something else that's topical right now to bring up is uh, XPW is coming back. Uh, the first event coming back is called it is? Rebirth. Yes, did you not know? Oh my lord, this no. is this is this is uh, unprecedented. Who's doing it? Rob. Rob is putting on a show called Rebirth in Rochester, New York, on November seventh. 2021 and i believe in Rochester? january yeah and i believe in uh january he's doing a show in uh on the west coast in los angeles january 22nd i think called california uh <laughs> awesome name Thoughts? um i think that's the funniest thing in the world what what uh I mean, good for him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really don't have any thoughts on it. I mean, uh, oh, oh, okay. I mean, uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd let you know. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, uh, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, if he was going to start a promotion, I would think maybe, you know, start something different. Um, but maybe because of, uh, like, the whole dark side on the ring episode on XPW and things like that, like, he's maybe just seeing an opportunity to, you know, a cash grab on it or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, hopefully, I, I would like to think that he's learned, uh, you know, the, the mistakes that he made with the original XPW. Yeah, uh, like I said, like we had talked about before, the the title lineage, you know, yeah. and how the title was lost and and won, um, things like that. You know, they uh, it's a it's a big deal, you know, and uh, hopefully, you know, he, he's learned from those mistakes. Um, I mean, I wish him nothing. I wish him luck with it. Uh, hope it does well. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's funny. It's in Rochester. He always told me he hated Rochester. That's where he grew up. I think he hated it. <laughs> Like, um, so, uh, the fact that it's in Rochester, I think it's kind of funny, but, uh, yeah, I mean, good luck. Hopefully, hopefully it does well. And, um, the, the biggest thing with XPW was, uh, XPW, the, just the, those three, uh, letters, XPW put such a bad taste in people's mouths. And it wasn't because of the wrestlers. It wasn't because of the boys. It was because of Rob and his yeah. shenanigans and the things that he would do and say. I hope that he realizes um, that there is bad publicity. Yeah. Um, and uh, that he can learn to keep his mouth shut and he doesn't need to be the center of attention and just say some outlandish things uh, to try to get attention on something. Like, just let the guys do their thing. And the other thing too that he that, that I never liked about XPW was, you know, he would he would want to make somebody or something his own. All right, they had to be their own character. Like uh, when um, uh, who was it? It was uh, uh, when our truth, our truth was an XPW part of the bat, the, the Black Panthers. Like he had to give him a whole new gimmick. Like people know him as our truth or whatever he did, uh, that he did before, you know, uh, same thing, uh, when, uh, the wall that the, the guy who played the wall in WCW, yeah, like he became the newer version of, uh, the eight millimeter guy, uh, um, that they stole XPW stole their characters from movies. Um, uh, they had uh, snuff or it became snuff. And that was just a ripoff from the Nicholas cage movie, uh, eight millimeter. You know, like, <laughs> let guys just be themselves, especially this day and age with indie guys being able to create their own gimmick, be themselves, market themselves, you know, and sell T-shirts off it and things like that. Just just let them be themselves. You don't need to say, hey, okay, I'm going to bring in this guy, but I want you to be this. Like, you know, so-and-so has been doing this gimmick for 10 years. Let him just do it. That's what people know him as. Yeah. Hopefully he's, he's learned that and he can just, he doesn't have to have his fingers and everything. Um, I'm, and I'll ask you good luck. I hope it does well. I really do. Um, but the fact that when people hear XPW and it puts a bad taste in their mouth, uh, and, and I honestly believe when XPW folded, you know, chaos and Supreme and maybe myself, even to a certain extent, uh, uh, but I, I had already left and it was in CZW and it done well for my, myself at CZW, but chaos and Supreme, like, I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of companies that would have loved to have used them. 
but they didn't because they're that XPW guy. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was because of stuff like Rob, the, the, like at one point Rob was threatening to feed a tiny dog to a snake or something like that, which he never would have done. He never would have done it. He was just doing it to, to get under people's skin and get attention. But that's a bad kind of attention. So, you know, let the guys just wrestle and, and be themselves. And, uh, yeah, you don't need to be up, you know, up in the front of it, you know, the face of it. Like, just let the let the product speak for itself. Yeah, well, I believe the tagline he's got going right now is, you can't cancel what's already been canceled. Um, what does that even mean? I beg to differ. I think it could get canceled again if he doesn't yeah, show up. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, what the, it doesn't, makes no sense. What the? Then I've already seen four. a bunch of people. Have, yeah. I've already seen a couple of guys have already dropped out of the show. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Who does he have people. on the show? Anybody that I would know? Uh, let's have a look. I'll do a quick Google search. XPW. I mean, I can look it up if I actually put it in the afternoon. You need to do that. <laughs> I know he had uh, Colby Carino who dropped out. I know... Uh, Jesus, there's a couple other guys that uh, there's a poster. Um, oh, California. The other thing, too, I'll tell anybody wrestling for that show, make sure you either get paid in cash up front. Actually, yeah, get paid in cash up front. Don't get any checks. Yeah, yeah don't do any uh, checks. Just get paid so in cash. What I can see here, uh, I know, I think Schlack also dropped out, but he's got Mance Warner, Atticus Kogar, G Raver, Masada, who I just interviewed the other day, Eric Ryan. Masada's doing it? Yes, he is. And he, he said oh, he's excited and hopes it goes somewhere. Uh. <laughs> oh, Masada. I love Masada. He's a great guy. He's awesome. He is. Buddy. He's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Justice, Eddie Only, Kevin Bennett, and uh, Jake Christ. That's the other guy that dropped out. Jake Christ oh, okay. dropped out. Um, I, oh, yeah. Like I said, I, I hope it goes well. I really do. Just get paid in cash up front. Yeah, I just think what needs to happen is that Rob needs to stop making his little podcast because people keep finding snippets there and putting it online. And uh, he just needs to shut up and just keep in the background. <laughs> yeah, which uh, honestly... I didn't even know he was still doing that stupid. That it's that political podcast thing, right? Yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He um, he, he just he always needs to be the center of attention, and uh, just keep your mouth shut. Like you don't. Yeah, I mean, for good or bad, that's who he is. Um, but yeah, just it's so stupid. Like it's especially <laughs> in this day and age with everybody people going back yes. 10 years on a twitter to find something or like you know it's just it is what it is i mean yeah. like I, said, I honestly i honestly hope it does well because i want the boys and the girl girls to make money and have a place to work um yeah but uh yeah i mean that's i mean cool i guess yeah all right awesome <laughs> <laughs> uh were you asked to be a part of the dark side of the ring episode i'm sorry were you asked to be a part of the Dark Side of the Ring yes. episode? Yeah, I, uh, I interviewed for it back in January, I think. Okay, Sat down cool. and, and we talked. It uh, it went well. It'll be interesting to see see how it goes. Because um, initially I didn't want to do it. 
but I got, uh, I spoke to uh, uh, the, the producer and um, I mean, he, essentially the, the story that they want to tell, this, the story that he at least told me that they wanted to tell, as much as it, you know, had to do with Rob and from what I was told, Rob didn't want to uh, be interviewed because they were going to ask him about me. And right. in his mind, like, I, I can tell you, I had nothing to do with it, uh, with, with uh, the, the attack on Billy, but no one's going to believe me. And he's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, I, you know, it is what it is, but he, uh, uh, they, they wanted to tell the story of just a group of, you know, young guys who wanted to be in the wrestling business, you know? Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes uh, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, they splice it together, and uh, you know they they do the little reenactments on things, and because uh, I it's dark side. Like, I mean, I love the show. Uh, I Thank really you. enjoy uh, everything that they've done, and uh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But it was it was a good sit down. It was good talking, and honestly, it was good getting some of the stuff off my chest too. That's cool, bro. That's good to hear. And uh, for anyone out there wondering why I didn't ask about the attack, uh, I'm, I'm just doing that out of respect. I, if you want to find out about it, Google it, because in my opinion, uh, I, I'm, it's not for me to be prying for something that's already been answered somewhere else. So that's just my stance. Um, bro. I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. No worries, my friend. Um, Okay, we're getting right near the end here of the interview. I want to, I know you just said you, you don't like to leave your house or do a whole lot, which is awesome, bro, because you know what? Since COVID happened, I've been a homebody. I used to go to the pub, the bars all the time here in Perth, but in the last few months, I've really enjoyed just staying at home, doing yeah. just, just watching Netflix, just chilling out. Um, but so, like, if you want to plug anything, if there is, is anything to plug, or tell any of your fans out there what you are up to these days, aside from being a devoted husband and father, let them know right now. Um, to be honest with you, I got nothing, dude. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to chat with me, and oh, I'm always happy, happy to do it. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, I. I I don't have any bookings or anything like that or, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah. I mean, if you want to reach out, I'm on Facebook, Billy Messiah. Um, it's just a bunch of pictures of my kids and my wife and stuff like that. So if you're looking for wrestling stuff, sorry, you're not going to get anything. I'm just that annoying guy who posts pictures of his, uh, daughters all the time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always enjoy, uh, uh, you know, chatting with somebody or listening from, from fans. And I try my best to, uh, to respond, uh, as you can attest, like I, I, I go days without being on it and stuff like that. So, That's but, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, 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 uh, you know, I appreciate you reaching out and asking to chat with me and, uh, you know, I've enjoyed doing the interview. Thanks, man. No worries, bro. And before I let you go, I've got that one last segment. Oh, look at that. That's cute. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. A, I'm a big, this is guy. dusty. <laughs> oh, oh, it looks dusty. like my old cat. Oh, cute. He's bugging the crap out of me. It's my daughter's cat. So, all right. There we go. Good boy. Um, yeah. 
the last segment of the show, bro. It's called Five Second Frenzy. You have five seconds to answer each question. Even if you break the five seconds, it's okay. It takes a while sometimes to pick your favorite this and your favorite that. First question okay. is, who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Oh, Bret the Hitman Hart. That's easy. Excellent. Excellent choice, bro. When I was a kid, I had a poster of him on the wall. Uh, <laughs> who was your favorite opponent over the years? Over the years? Crap. I, I, I have favorite opponents for different reasons. Uh, but it, it would probably either be uh, uh, Supreme, Nick Mondo, or hell, Sabu, because I had a good feud with Sabu in XPW, and, or just in, in uh, uh, LA for other feds too, uh, or Justice Payne. Um, you know, I, 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 someone's my favorite on a different day for a different reason, but uh, you know, I, I, anytime Nick Mondo and I wrestled, we always did, we always put on like good matches, just easy to work with him, and he was down for everything. And same thing with Supreme. Sorry, this cat is messing me really bad. Um, get out of here um, but yeah I, I can't put my finger on like one guy but they, 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 those would be the group of guys right there excellent bro and if you're watching this and you heard Nick Mono's name look at our YouTube we've got an interview with him as well uh, oh, nice. you, yeah bro uh, if you could pick one match uh, that you remember and means most to you what would be your favourite match that you were part of Um, again, you got to catch me on a date would be different reasons, but I had a match with Nick Mondo in California. Uh, it was a death match uh, for a promotion called Epic. Um, that match I'm very proud of. Uh, it, yeah, it was just a, everything went the way we wanted it to go. And uh, it got a lot of good uh, praise from people. Um, not because of the death match, but just because of the, all the stuff, the, the stuff that we teased. Because I always, when I, if I ever did death match, you know, death match, I always like teasing things. Uh, not the, what Zandig would refer to as hack and slash. You hit me with this, blah, blah, blah. Like I like teasing things and then planting something, a uh, table in the corner or on the outside that we will then hit later on in the match. But you've forgotten about this table. So if you that. go through it. Yeah, um, you completely forget about that it was there to begin with. That I, I, that, that I always loved doing that. And Mondo was a cool guy to do that kind of stuff with. Um, and also, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, well, I, I had a match with Sabu in XPW. I think he called it. It was called New Year's Revolution or something like that. Um, that was a good match. That match, I, I felt like I really came into my own. Uh, things were clicking for me. Uh, Sabu just wasn't beating the crap out of me like he had done before. I was taking the initiative. I was listening. I was more confident in my abilities. And also, you know, my my first match in CZW against Justice Payne. Uh, that match clearly had, if it had not gone as well as it did, I never probably would have went back to CZW. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm particularly proud of that match because of the fact that, like, Payne and I didn't know each other. We had just met each other that morning. And for two guys who didn't know each other, uh, to have the kind of match that we had, uh, I, I think speaks to both of our abilities. Now, I mean, I, I can look back at it now and pick things apart and wish I hadn't done this or 
or should have done this instead. Like I, I do that with everything. Um, but after that match, when I got to the back, uh, the locker room was clapping. And I just thought this is what they do here. Oh, wow, these guys are really nice. Like, wow. But apparently it was like a lot of the guys were coming up to me going, dude, nice match, good match, good match. Um, so, uh, and then also my, my death match with uh, Suprema, go funk yourself. You know, we had just had what happened with the whole heat wave thing like a week prior. So like Suprema and I put a bunch of uh, pressure on ourselves because um, in our mind at the time, it was like, oh, the world, everyone's watching us right now because of what just happened, which no one was probably watching us, but <laughs> it was just all in our own mind. And we went out there and, um, uh, you know, had a death match, tease things again, like I like to do. Um, I just remember Sabu coming up to me, uh, like at, not after the match, but like a week later at the XPW office and just going, um, hell of a match kid, no, awesome match. I was like, oh, thank you. And then he, of course, said something like, uh, uh, like, you don't need to do everything, though. You know, <laughs> like, like, I got you. No, and I, I agree with him. Um, but that, that match, especially now, because Lester is no longer here, means a lot to me. Um, now, if I, when I think about the match, when I think, I just remember distinctly during that match being so tired. Like, why am I so tired? Because I never, I would never gas. I would never gas out. And that match I did, and it was because, like, I'm doing all the work in the damn thing. I'm setting up the table. I'm doing this, unless you're selling in the corner. But, like, you know, uh, it was worth it. It was good. And, and also my match with, like I said before, with Justice Payne, especially because uh, Payne's no longer with us. Because, um, you know, Lord knows, if Payne had not liked me, even if we had the best match in the world, if he had not liked me, um, he easily could have just gone to, to Zanding and go, yeah, you don't need to bring him back. So, um, again, it's you got to catch me on the day. One day this match might stick out more to me, and the next day it's this match. But those, it's those matches right there. Cool, bro. Not a problem. Uh, and getting away from wrestling finally. So getting into the arts now. Your favorite book? Favorite book? Oh, well, since I'm Messiah, I should say the Bible, right? <laughs> um, uh, I'm not a big reader uh, when I travel that's the only time I would read uh, on a plane or if I was a passenger car that's when I would read usually and when I did read uh, it was usually autobiographies but uh, the one book that really stands out to me was Eddie Guerrero I love that book I, I read that book twice you know usually I'm one and done I'm one and done kind of guy but uh, Eddie Guerrero's uh, book uh, I thought was amazing and was very inspirational Absolutely, bro. Um, and I agree. Uh, favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Thing is, I, I I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, like regularly. Oh, I, you know something? Uh, Stranger Things. I love Stranger oh. Things. My daughter, my youngest daughter, discovered Stranger Things over the summer and is obsessed with it. Um, I used to be a huge Walking Dead fan, uh, but like my wife still watches it. And I always mean to pick it back up because I would read the comics, but right. I just haven't been able to do it. Right. I'm huge on The Walking Dead. It's my, my absolute favorite right now. Uh, season 11 has just released episode four. So <laughs> loving it. 
loving it. Yeah, yeah. She watches it, and I always want it, like. She always tells me, why aren't you going to watch it with me? This used to be our, our show. And she's right. I, I need to. I really need to. Uh, but for some reason, it just, I dropped off, right, you know, when they were doing the whole uh, whisperers uh, uh, thing. Yeah. and Because uh, I knew that from the comics. Uh, I think the fact that I knew kind of stuff that was happening, maybe, but um, that was always one of my favorite shows. And I, strangely enough, like, I love uh, some of the Disney Plus stuff, like the Loki series and um uh falcon once you saw like that stuff's awesome uh I'm trying to think what else if there's anything else uh yeah that, that, i mean that's basically it like i'm a big movie guy i, I watch movies all the time and that's the next one what's your favorite film oh favorite film it's one of those you got to catch me on the day what it is <laughs> uh like growing up i was a huge uh crow fan brandon lee fan awesome um i love the crow uh, trying to think like my favorite film yeah I mean it would be, I'd have, The Crow just always stands out in my, my brain like that, I don't know, for some reason that movie just spoke to me as some you know, lonely teenage kid or something I don't know <laughs> like going through teenage angst but yeah that, that movie and that's the only reason I ever worked at Blockbuster Video when I was younger because I got all the free rentals and I could <laughs> watch what I wanted to watch and so, you know. Um, but like right now, like uh, I, I, I hate to be like on the bandwagon, but like all the Marvel stuff I dig. I dig all that stuff. Thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah, all that stuff's awesome. Um, but yeah, like right now I'd say The Crow probably. Excellent, bro. I think I saw that movie about a hundred times when I was a teenager. Um, Favorite musical artist or band? Um, I'm a big Killsway, uh, Killswitch Engage guy. Like that, that's the kind of music I like. My my daughter calls it my uh, uh, yelling music, or <laughs> she'll make people go oh yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah, like, uh, Killswitch. I enjoy trying to i'd have to look at my phone because i'm one of these guys like i love this song i couldn't tell you what the song is couldn't even tell you who, who it's by i just oh this song like i i i'm notorious for that but uh, uh I'm trying to think who uh, i got something i can't think of the names now i'm just horrible with that <laughs> that's okay bro we can give it just kill switch uh yeah, I've seen yeah, him. I've, I've yeah. seen him. I've seen him about a solid five times. I would say. Um, oh really? Yes. Uh, moving away from the arts now. Favorite food. Favorite food: steak. I love it yeah. when my wife cooks steak. Yeah. Yeah, hard to beat, bro. We get that a lot in the show. Uh, favorite place to eat on the road. On the road. It'd probably be like a Denny's. I always get like a, a breakfast scramble or something like that. Something like that, probably. Very nice. We've had Denny's on the show before. We always, we also get Waffle House and Cracker Barrel quite a lot as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Third last one. Favorite alcoholic beverage. I'm just a beer guy. Uh, when I lived in Philly, uh, I lived uh, with Ian Knox. Worked at the. Uh, the Berwyn Tavern with like Johnny Casper. We all, probably one of the funnest times I had. It was basically a bunch of wrestlers living in a house, working at a bar. Um, 
uh, like Ian knew everything about alcohol. I know nothing about it. I'm just a beer guy. So if anything, it'd probably be like a blue moon beer or something like that. I'm just simple that way. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, I am that way inclined too. Uh, second last one, favorite female body part. You're going to look at an attractive woman. Oh, boobs. 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 There you boobs. go. Boobs. 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 That's my wife. I'm a boob guy. Excellent, boobs, yeah. bro. Excellent. All about the boobs. Don't understand <laughs> the butt thing. I get it. I mean, I kind of, but boobs, boobs, they're awesome. Excellent. When that was uh, the, the last uh, interview I had with uh, 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 Piers, my yep. wife flashed me, and I stopped the interview because she flashed me. Uh, <laughs> good pair of boobs, and I uh, stopped doing my tracks. I'm real simple <laughs> that way. It happens to me too sometimes. My girlfriend will flash her butt at me while I'm in the middle of yeah. trying to talk to somebody. Bloody, bloody. I girl. mean, I should be like. I should say like their eyes or I don't know, but it's boobs, sorry. <laughs> and the last one, bro, favorite curse word. Favorite curse word? Um, it's probably just good old fuck. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I try not to curse. I was notorious, especially in CZW. I'd get on the mic and every other word out of my mouth was F this, F that. I was, uh, you know, that ECW influence, I guess. Um, but being a dad, I, I try my best not to curse. Uh, but like when I get angry or I, I get hot, uh, that reptilian part of my brain clicks on and the curse words start flying out. And uh, I hate that. If I could change one thing about myself, it would be that. I just, I grew up in a house. Yeah, you know, my dad, every, I learned how to curse from my dad, even though he won't say that. Uh, like, where'd you learn that? Like, I learned it from you. Um, uh, but I, I try my best not to curse uh, when I do interviews. Um, uh, when I, but, but yeah, if I get angry, all of a sudden, it just every other word is mother effort this, and like, it's horrible. <laughs> I understand, bro. And, and fuck, if you know that, if this were a family feud, that would be the number one answer from our show. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Uh, bro, I am so thrilled that I got the opportunity to connect with you here today and hear some of your stories, hear about your journey in the professional wrestling industry. And so proud to see you know, how proud you are in your life right now. You know, two daughters, wife, you're, you're living life at home, you're enjoying life at home. Man, that's awesome. And this is the biggest part of the interview where I get to put them up on a pedestal like I'm going to do right now. Messiah, Billy, all the way over here. This is Perth, Western Australia, bro. This is the most isolated city in the world. And all the way from over there to here, you are able to connect with me, me reading results on the internet, learning who's the Messiah, who is this guy? All this way. You reached this far. You should be so proud of what you did in the professional wrestling business. And I hope you know that you have someone right here that appreciated everything that you put into it, my friend. Yeah, I, it means a lot to me. Thank you very much. I, I mean, I think it's absolutely cool. I told my daughter, I'm going to do an interview. Oh, with who? Someone from Australia. I said, what? Like, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm very appreciative of it. Um, thank you for reaching out. Like I, I always enjoy talking and, and uh, BSing because I, I really don't get to talk wrestling. 
these days at all because my yeah my wife and daughter they can care less you know and I don't blame them um but uh again I I, I appreciate it thank you and I'm I'm honored and uh uh yeah that's that's, that's awesome dude. I, thank you very much Matt. you're very welcome sir and thank you again I, I just really appreciate your time all right Carl Anytime. Thank you. Of course, bro. And thank you, everyone out there, for watching here the Insider's Edge podcast on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California, with my new friend here, Billy. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Take it easy.